Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Colby. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. But Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. Hold on. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Let's say goodbye to all your worries about tax planning, investment troubles, and any confusion when it comes to managing your finances and money. Here at Rocky Hill Accountants, our team has a combined 35 years of experience and will help you do it right. We're dedicated to your needs and will deliver on a result that is professional and trustworthy. Our firm is large enough to offer a full range of professional services, but small enough to give you the individual attention that you deserve. Our business portfolio includes thousands of prepared tax returns for individuals, families, partnerships, businesses, and more. The team at Rocky Hill Accountants are also thoroughly trained in tax laws and procedures. We have the ability to represent taxpayers before the IRS when they arrive at collections, audits, and appeals. This allows us to offer our accuracy and audit guarantee to tax clients. Please visit our website at RockyHillAccountants.com or give us a call at 860-257-4238 to schedule an appointment. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And yes, Yankee fans, we will get to them. We will get to the baseball. But this is a week where we have to start with this game. There's, there's no doubt we're starting here. It is the game everybody has been waiting for. Tom Brady is heading back to Foxborough. His Tampa Bay Buccaneers are facing the New England Patriots on Sunday night football. And it's it's so anticipated. This game has been anticipated ever since the schedule came out. Really, ever since Brady Brady left the Patriots Sorry. to sign with the Bucks. This game, this has been this is there's the anticipation. Everybody has been waiting for this game because we knew in 2021 the Patriots were going to play the Buccaneers. It should be a great atmosphere at Gillette Stadium. It's going to be obviously. It's going to be there will not be an empty seat in that place, and there shouldn't be a boo in that place when Tom Brady comes out because obviously what Tom Brady did for the Patriots, there is no athlete in sports that did more for one team and Tom Brady did for the new England Patriots. I mean, let's, let's just, just say that he, he was, he was the quarterback six times, six times Super Bowl championship champion, got them to nine Super Bowls in one of the Super Bowls that they lost. He threw for 500 yards. And I mean, just the greatest quarterback of all time heading back to new England. I can't wait for this game, but I got to get, because Justin's a Patriot fan. I got to give him the floor. What are your feelings with Tom Brady coming back to new England? Well, I hope he doesn't tear our defense up too much because, uh, you know, right now, you know, the way he's playing and look, you know, he's 68 yards away too from breaking the all, Drew Brees' all-time passing record. And he's probably going to do, he could do that, you know, on the first drive of the game. But, yeah, it's great to, you know, have Tom back. You know, it's, you know, I know for, you know, Patriot fans, didn't really, you know, never want him to leave. I know, you know, it was kind of, 
Bill, and I don't, and I think Bill may have been on to something this week of saying, yeah, he never wanted to leave. And I think Bill probably offered Brady a contract, probably for a team friendly, probably something around like 15, 16 million dollars a year, something around there. And, you know, obviously Brady wanted something more. I don't blame him. Um, yeah, it should be a great atmosphere. Again, yeah, there definitely should be no boo for Tom Brady in that stadium for what he's done. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned it. He's, yeah, the six Super Bowls, and it was a franchise that really had nothing before that. And now it's like, it's, uh, you know, you think about NFL kind of teams, the first thing, team you think about are the Patriots for what they've done the last, you know, two decades. Um, Tom Brady, obviously a huge part of that. Um, just, you know, he did everything the right, you know, he um, was great for the city, great for this uh, for this franchise. And, you know, um, it's crazy to kind of see him on the other sidelines on Sunday night, but he will. And, you know, hopefully we can slow him down enough. How weird is that going to be as a Patriot fan? Seeing him run out of the yeah. visiting team's tunnel, seeing him on that other sideline after he had been, he's been with this franchise. He was with the Patriots for 20 years. How, how weird is that going to be? Very weird. You know, it, it's, it still takes time to really get used to, especially last year with Cam coming out. And now, you know, with even, you know, Mac Jones, it's just like, it's, it's something that, you know, you know, again, you knew one day Brady was going to be gone and not going to be running that tunnel anymore. But, you know, you thought that he'd be retired and not coming out anybody else's tunnel. But it is weird. You know, it's it's still very it's going to be weird to kind of see him. I know he was talking to be weird for him. You know, he's never been in that locker room. He's never been on the other sideline like, it, it, you know, it, it's going to be very weird to see him at Gillette Stadium wearing another team's helmet and uniform. Uh, oh, without question. I mean, uh, for all he's done, for all he did with the Patriots, it's just going to be so weird for me to see him go up against the Patriots. And you brought it up previously, too. Belichick said he wanted to sign him, but I think he just saw him wanted to sign him to a team-friendly deal. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you're Tom Brady, I think Brady did the right thing. The Patriots did not draft well enough at the skill positions for him to stay there. And last year, even if he stays with the Patriots, they probably don't get to the Super Bowl. So I think he did the right thing. Leaving, he well, he late in his career, he wanted to go to a place where he was going to compete for a championship, and I and he did it, and he and he won one with Tampa Bay, and just with the way the Patriots drafted the skill positions, I think a lot of people say, oh yeah, Brady left, but I think the Patriots forced him to leave. I think the Patriots forced him to leave because of the way they drafted and because of their culture of you know, oh you know, you Bill's like Bill, like with Bill Belichick, he's like you do what I say. Well, when you're not drafting players that are good enough, I'm not I'm not gonna. I'm not going to keep like uh, continue to be, be a part of this team, and and he did. He, he proved last last year that it wasn't all Belichick and the Patriot organization. It was him, and he proved last year why how great he was winning a Super Bowl somewhere else. And Hector's got a comment. Brady will set history. Yes, he, if he yeah, wins, definitely will yeah. set history, beating all 32 NFL teams. That's why I definitely want him to win Sunday night because I definitely want to see that. And also, I still want to see him see him beat Bill Belichick because I don't think Belichick really appreciated how good he was at the end. I mean, he was still a top four, top five quarterback, but they just didn't put anything around him, and especially the skill positions in that last year. So I definitely want to see, you know, I, I know you're a Patriot. You won't be, you won't be, you won't be. You won't see, won't want to see Brady win, but I definitely want to see Brady win because I, I think he stuck it to Bill last year winning a Super Bowl, and I think he's going to – I think I, I really want to see him stick it to Bill again. Yeah, and I, I think he will. Um, you know, I know we'll talk about the game, and I'll kind of say why I think that's going to happen. But, yeah, you know, and I it, and for both of them too, because they're both two guys that want control. And, I, it, yeah, it was over time Bill, that – yeah, they both love control. They both love control. Yeah, they do. And, and Brady wanted to kind of be more 
of a GM and Bill wasn't going to let that happen. Bill's, you know, Bill, you know, is kind of pretty much a Patriot GM. And, you know, again, I hope one day he gives that up soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, seeing the way they're playing but, right now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'll talk about that. Yeah. The actual team soon. But yeah, you know, it, it's something. Yeah. It just, I don't even think Brady told Bill in person. I think they did it. You know, he told him kind of over the phone that, you know, I'm leaving. I just think the really, I just think it's, they, it's kind of a relationship to that. Both they both just kind of got tired of each other. That you know, um, where again they just didn't. They kind of you know knew what they expected from each other. They kind of you know got through it. But yeah, Brady just kind of wanted to get out there, get out of there. Now he's kind of the GM in kind of Tampa Bay. He just you know because I think they they got Sherman because Brady wanted to team up with Sherman a couple years ago when he was a free agent the last time around. So you know I, I think Brady's kind of got you know he he wanted kind of the hand in in the organization. Bill didn't want that. Again, I, you know, I don't – I still don't mind Bill's culture. I kind of still think, you know, I, I know of kind of treat everybody kind of, you know – Yeah, but you can't, treat Tom Brady, you can't treat Tom Brady like any other player. He had earned the respect there. He had been the biggest reason you had success. If you look at Bill Belichick's record without Tom Brady, it's terrible. It's not good. It, he's like tank. He's 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 over. He's like almost twenty games under five hundred. He's only won one playoff game. He's only been to the playoffs one time. Seven, seven of his eight years without Tom Brady. I'm not saying Bill Belichick's not in co- the conversation to be the greatest coach ever, but it, but I think Brady definitely meant more to this dynasty. And if you look at Belichick's record without Tom Brady, he's he's had s- I think six losing seasons. He's missed the playoffs seven times, and. Uh, He's just not been as good. And you look at Brady, the one year he left Belichick, he won a Super Bowl. So it's pretty obvious who meant more to, uh, to, to the Patriots' success. Yeah, yes, I don't mind the Patriots. I, I like the Patriots' culture, too. I think Bill's one of the greatest coaches ever. But he needed Tom Brady to be as great as he was. Yeah, no, he, he did. And, you know, yeah, the build, the culture and all that. Um, with Bill, yeah, so far, it kind of Brady kind of stuck it to him last year, but winning the Super Bowl, and this is, was a huge year for Bill. And so far, it ain't painting out very well with you know going out free agency and kind of buying a bunch of offensive weapons. Really hasn't worked so far. But yeah, I, I, you know, you're kind of starting to see that Brady did kind of mean more. Again, I think Bra- I think Bill made Brady a better quarterback by the way he pushed him. You know, in the early days and and all of that of kind of. Um, you know, again, I like it was Randy Moss in that, um, you know, had a quote in the book, you know, um, kind of about the page dining this last year. He was like the first day he sat down and Bill immediately started, you know, snapping at Tom Brady about a couple of mistakes that he had. And Randy Moss was kind of like stunned, like, you know, nobody, nobody's safe in this organization. Like, I think Bill had a huge, you know, role in kind of helping Brady develop to kind of get him to that next step of and kind of making him the way he is. But yeah, you know, maybe, you know, again, maybe you should have gave is, Brady and, a little bit more a comment, Bill is fifty-three and fifty-nine without Brady. I think it's worse than that. I, I, I think it's, I think it's like, I think it's worse than fifty-nine and fifty-three. That might just be, that that might just be with the Patriots. I don't know. I think that's, I think he's worse than that without 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 Belichick. If you look at his years in Cleveland, I think I think he's worse than than that. But yeah, but Hector says under five hundred. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from Bill. It's just people that think that, you know, Brady was so great because he had Bill Belichick as his coach. Let's let's forget. Let's not forget. Bill Belichick is not an offensive coach. He's a defensive coach. He's not like making, 
the quarterback great. Brady, and people forget Brady was really good in college. He he uh, he came back against the Penn State team with the top with the, with the number one and number two picks in that draft his last year in college. So Brady was really good in college too. So to say that you know Brady would be nothing without Bill Belichick, I think is absolutely ridiculous. I think that yeah, yes, Bill's one of the greatest coaches ever. But let's be honest, the guy that's coming back to Foxborough on Sunday was the number one reason that dynasty happened. No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah, Brady wasn't nothing about Bill. Um, you know, I think the way Bill was kind of pushed him. But yeah, you know, Brady, again, and he, Brady always kind of had that chip on the shoulder, being like the sixth, you know, being the sixth round pick, you know, pick 199. You know, he always had that, um, you know, he always kind of had that on his shoulders. And, you know, and it worked well for a while in that, in that organization because, you know, Bill's a guy that kind of, you know, kept that chip going on Brady's shoulders of, you know, you got, you know, keep winning, keep winning, keep winning. And, you know, again, we saw kind of what happened in all these, all those years, you know, getting the Super Bowl, kind of dominating the AFC. They're dominating the AFC, you know, dominating the AFC East for, for, you know, 20 years. So, um, yeah, you know, look, I, Brady, that, you know, without Brady, yeah, who knows, you know, what that dynasty, you know, there's probably not a dynasty without Tom Brady. You know, um, you know, who knows how long kept they, you know, who knows how long they would have kept Drew Bledsoe. I don't think they would have made, you know, they got to one with Bledsoe. I don't know if they, you know, they may have won one or two with Bledsoe. Who knows, you know, after, you know, after that. But, look, yeah, Brady had such a huge part in this, of building this thing, you know, and putting this organization where they are right now. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now we got to get into the game. We'll get into the game. And, and for this game, uh, I feel like Tampa Bay is gonna gonna control it. I don't think they're gonna, they're, they're gonna get a good amount, decent amount of yards on the ground. Oh, here here we go. We can thank Mo Lewis for knocking out Bledsoe and making Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, I I could yeah. say that to a point, but I do think eventually, say Bledsoe was terrible that like they went five and eleven the year before. Say Bledsoe was terrible that year. I think if, because Brady was the backup. I think eventually they might have went to Brady anyways. Everybody says that oh. You know, we could thank Mo, we could thank Mo Lewis for it. Yeah, that's true because Brady became the starter. But I do think that Bledsoe might have could have struck because they won only five games a year before. He could have struggled to a point that year, and he was getting older too, where Brady might have ended up being the starter anyways. And so, yeah, but it's a good point by Hector. But I just feel like Brady might have might have been the starter anyways. Could have could have took took over later in that season if the Patriots were struggling. Yeah, absolutely. I get. Yeah, he could have. Been- yeah, things went downhill quickly. He could have tried to make that, you know, that QB change, um, you know, with Brady. Um, yeah, you know, I, it, you know, it, um, the hit from Lewis, yeah, it kind of propelled that quicker, um, and it, you know, really showed what Brady was able to do right away. Um, but yeah, you know, his Bledsoe was kind of what at that point, like thirty. Five-ish? Like, yeah, he was, so he, his, right? he was in his 30s, yeah. He was in, I think, like, so, I think 31, 31, 32 at oh, that point. Okay. Oh. okay, so I'm confused off. But, yeah, like, yeah, he's getting – he was getting older. But Bozo was a good quarterback. He wasn't – never great. So, yeah. He was solid. If it he was wasn't, solid. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah he solid. got into a Super Bowl. But, yeah, he wasn't great. And I think he could have tailed off like he did the previous year. And I think that uh, – I think Brady could have came in came in then. They could have went to Brady. So, yeah, as I say, a lot of people say, oh, the only reason Brady started was because of Mo Lewis. I don't think that's totally the case. I think Bledsoe could have struggled that year and Brady, or, or even the year the year after and Brady could have taken over. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, he could have, you know, the way – yeah, they were still struggling. 
because Bill kind of would have, you know, if they were struggling, you know, um, well, they made the Super Bowl, but, you know, like if they kind of showed, you know, if they didn't get to the Super Bowl that year and they kind of were another mediocre team the next year, again, Bill's probably kind of sitting towards the hot seat. They're struggling yet. Yeah, you know, you got to kind of try a quarterback change and it, you know, panned out. So, yeah, Brady would have got a shot, but like who knows, you know, like if they kind of, if Bledsoe won the Super Bowl that year, you know, and, they kind of did what they did with Garoppolo and kind of uh, will, you know, kind of trade you away. We'll keep, you know, I know Bill wanted to keep Garoppolo, but um, I know Kraft wanted Brady, but yeah, who, you know, um, we definitely kind of saw there, you know, I think we definitely would have saw Brady. Yeah. Definitely like a year or two after um, that year. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see what happens if Bledsoe didn't end up staying healthy, but he got hurt and then history. And then we all know the rest is history, but we got to get into this game and uh, Tampa Bay, obviously both teams coming in with a loss, but, but for Tampa Bay, I think they do a decent job in the run game. I think Brady has a really big game. I think, you know, I think the problem with the, the question to me for Belichick is who is he going to take away in this game? And there's just so many weapons for the bucks. It's going to be so hard. Do you double Mike Evans? Do you double Gronk? Uh, which player do you double? It's just going to be it's going to be really really hard to see. It's going to be really interesting to see what Belichick does. Does he play maybe some zone coverage and not let the Bucks beat beat him deep? I mean, it's just going to be very interesting to see what Belichick does in this game. You know, he's going to take away try to take away one of those guys. I mean, last week he tried taking away Alvin Kamara though, and the Patriots couldn't. So we'll see we'll see what happens see what happens there. But in this game, I feel like Brady's going to throw you know two to three touchdown passes. I think they do a decent job running the ball. I do think Mac Jones does make some plays in the secondary. I know they got Richard Sherman. But I think he's past his prime. I do think Mac Jones makes some plays in the secondary, but I do think the difference is going to be is he's going to he's going to turn the ball over a couple times. He's old last week, an unmobile quarterback. He's going to have trouble playing from behind. Trent Brown is probably going to be out, so that's going to that's going to give Shaq Barrett and the guy the uh, the guy they drafted in the first round. I think they're going to get pressure. I think they might get some interior pressure too with Vita Vea. Vita Vea as David Andrews has struggled as well. But I, I do think this is a game where I think the Buccaneers control. Maybe the Patriots score a late touchdown. But I got the Buccaneers beating the Patriots. I got Tom Brady beating every team in the NFL. I got Tampa Bay winning Sunday night. I got them beating the Patriots 30-17 to in Foxborough Sunday night. But the big question is, Justin, can Belichick contain this Bucs offense and can Mac Jones not make mistakes for the Patriots to pull an upset? It's going to be very difficult. Um, I thought Sunday was one of the worst. Sunday's game was, it's you know, for me, one of the worst games I've ever seen the Patriots play. Um, it was either that one or that Sunday night game at um, Detroit back in 2018 where they just did not show up to play. Um, and one of those, you know, those are probably the two worst performers I've ever seen out of the Patriots, you know, uh, in my in my time. Um, I just thought they put way too much on coverage. And their secondary, I know they are trying to take away Kamara, but I don't think he really trusts man-to-man right now without Gilmore. And I think it's a huge, huge issue when, you know, you're going up against the Bucks. Yeah, because if he plays Brady, Brady's going to pick apart a zone, yeah. zone, zone, even though he doesn't have the corners to match. So really, it's a talent issue because he doesn't have the corners to match up with those receivers. And then if he plays the zone, you know Brady's going to complete, going to tear that zone apart. And really, they really don't have the pass rush to really get that much pressure on Brady either. So it's really going to be a really, really tough night for Belichick to try to, to to come up with any kind of game plan against this Bucks offense. It's just it's a talent issue. The Bucks are clearly the more talented team, and that's and this and this goes back to the reason why Brady left New England. It's just the talent level on Tampa Bay is much better than the talent level on New England. Absolutely, it absolutely is, and you know, I, and you know, I thought he was going Tampa the whole time because I saw all the weapons he would have with him. And I think we might have lost. Justin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're back. Um, you're back, Justin. 
Yeah, it, yeah. Um, back in, well, you know, kind of, you know, I thought, you know, he was going there pretty much kind of the, well, you know, the whole time I figured, you know, Tampa was probably the spot for me. You know, you see all the weapons he's got now. Yeah, you know, we've seen, you know, if there's one guy that knows Bill Bell or knows Tom Brady's weaknesses, it's Bill Belichick. But I just, I don't see, yeah, with the talent this defense has, I just don't see him doing enough in this game. Again, because it's like you really can't try to scheme anything because it's like Brady kind of knows what you do kind of scheming up-wise, like, you know, and it's tough to kind of get the Brady. If they can kind of get some interior, you know, the Patriots, and you know, can, can get up, you know, can rush them up, in, you know, the interior of the offensive, Tampa Bay's offensive line, you know, me, because the Rams kind of had success doing that last week, but I just don't see the Patriots being able to do enough to be able to do that right now. Um, I just, again, I just don't think man or zone is going to work against, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't think they have the corners to play man. And I don't think the, the and obviously we've seen Brady with his own, he'll, he'll tear you apart in its own coverage. So, um, and for Mac, I thought last week I put that game, like, don't, like the wider series did not show up. The tight ends didn't show up. It's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't all Mac Jones. It was just, no. yeah, they, they just, they were, there were a couple of interceptions, but I put maybe that second interception on Jonah Smith. Yeah. I thought even the first one, it was, it was a catchable ball and he threw it in a spot where, um, I think that was a Smith too. And he should have caught it. Um, I'm trying to think it was either, I or, but you know, um, but yeah, like, you know, Mac, Mac actually showed so, you know, again, Mac was our leading rusher last week. And I thought he threw out the knee brace and he kind of ran okay. Like, yeah, he's not, he's not no Lamar Jackson or anything like that. But uh, look, I think James White, too, losing him on the offside of the ball because he's our best pass protector out of that backfield. You know, and you saw they brought in Brandon Bolden a lot in that second half, and he's not a great runner. So it's, you're kind of giving up your play there when he comes in the backfield. So, you know, I know Rahom Stevenson, they didn't like him because of a fumble week one, and I know he's not a great pass protector either, but you're going to have to probably throw him out there. I know Damon Harris isn't great at that either, but I know how it feels now to have Evan Ingram because I cannot stand Oh, God. Oh, I told you Jonah Smith was not going to be that great of a pickup for them. It really wasn't. It was It's an upgrade of what they had last year, but anything was better than what they had last year at tight end. Yeah, Jonah Smith is not that good. Nelson Aguilar is not that good. That's the problem with free agency. You're paying, you know, B-level, you know, B or C-level players A-level money. And because the Patriots couldn't draft skill guys, they had to do it in free agency. And you're seeing seeing this on the offensive side. There's a bunch of overpaid guys in that offensive side of the ball for the Patriots. Absolutely. You know, Jacoby Myers has been good, but that's been about it. Yeah. Jonah Smith has been horrendous. I, I hope maybe I like, and I know Devin Asiasi didn't was not great last year, but I'd rather just see him as that second tight end than Jonah Smith right at the moment. So I'm hoping Asiasi come back, but yeah, you know, again, I, I was hoping these guys could do a little bit like an Aguilar, a Bourne, a Hunter Henry Smith, but no, they, they, really have not done much. I think Henry Henry had a hold too. I think Smith even had a holding call with five drop passes. So yeah, right now this offense, I don't really put a ton right now on Mac Jones. And then my last point I'll make about the Patriots too is I cannot stand Josh McDaniels either play calling. So, you know, that first drive in the second half, they go down or the second one, cause they threw the pick six on the first play, you know, uh, Mac Jones throws the ball like 11 times. They get to the red zone. They, they run the ball three times. It's like, you just trusted him to lead you down the field, uh, Josh. Let him yeah, air it they, out. And then on that third down, when they're on 21-3, they hand the ball off. Yeah. That made no it's sense at all. Yeah. yeah. 
that just that just that just I, made no that, that made no sense at all. Yeah. Then obviously they, they kicked the field goal, and after that, you knew the game was over because because oh. you know down fifteen with a rookie quarterback against that against a pretty good defense, the Saints, you knew the game was over. Yeah, absolutely, you, you did. I just I, I could not stand the play calling by Josh McDaniels. I just again, you know, you seem to trust him the whole drive, and then all of a sudden you just don't anymore. And, and Mac was frustrated. Mac's like, I don't I don't call the plays. You know, he he sounded frustrated about it about the original play calling. So. Again, I, I hope they trust Mac Jones more in the red zone because you cannot kick field goal to meet the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's all they can do right now in the red zone. It's just they kick just kick field goals. Yeah, too many field goals, and I told you that in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Now, my last thought is the only way I feel like the Patriots can win this game is they got to completely shut down Tampa Bay's running game. If they completely do that, and they force Brady to throw the ball, you know, 40, 50 times, maybe they'd have a chance to win a low-scoring game. But outside of that, because they're not going to be able to run the ball on Tampa, I feel like they're going to have a really, really hard time running the ball on the Buccaneers. So, 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 and I don't think they're going to score a ton of points on them. I don't think they're going to score more than – I picked them to score 17 points, but I don't think they're going to score more than 17 points. So they're just going to have to just somehow just, you know, stop Tampa Bay's running game. I know they're not going to totally game for, plan for that because that's not what Tampa does well, but they'd have to completely shut down Tampa's run game and force Brady to throw the ball a bunch of times and try to get as much pressure on them as possible. I think that's the only way that the Patriots can win this game. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do. I think you got to get Brady's face. Um, you know, he's not going to throw tons of picks, but yeah, if you can, you, you know, if you talk with the kind of the, the Rams did, you know, Donald kind of got to him. That interior presence of the Rams defense kind of got to him. You know, if they could do that, kind of get in his face, not give him a lot of time to throw, and you know, I yeah, I think they could win it. But yeah, you know, the problem is, you know, like they can't kind of. Because, yeah, you can't run against the Bucs. So it's not like they can try to have a 10-minute drive and you go 75 yards. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough to move the ball against the Bucs. So they're going to have to find a way. Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to get pressure on them. They're going to have to really try to make Brady one-dimensional. I just I, I just don't have much confidence right now without Gilmore. And ho- hopefully after this week, Bill sees that. Because it sounds like Gilmore's um, calf is fine. He's just holding out until – week six and seven because Bill won't give him the money. So we'll get this week. Bill will, you know, give him a, give him a couple extra million here because we need him back. Absolutely. 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 So huge, huge game on Sunday night, a huge game between the two teams. I'm really excited for it. I've never been, I mean, honestly, I've never been more excited for a regular season NFL game. So it should be a great game on Sunday night. But before we get to our best bets, we got to talk about my team, and they are they are running into they're they're in an awful awful situation on Sunday. Going into play, they, they go into New Orleans. So the first time the Saints have been home since Hurricane Ida, that atmosphere is going to be really it's going to be a great atmosphere. The only saving grace the Giants have going into this game is the Saints won't have Tyron Armstead, and the Saints won't have Michael Thomas. That's the only chance the Giants have going into this game. I feel like for if the Giants want any chance to win this game, they got to bottle up Alvin Kamara. I think they could do a decent job containing him in the run game. What scares me is the, him in the passing game. Blake Martinez out for the season with a torn ACL. They're gonna. I think they're gonna have a lot of issues. They're gonna have some issues with Kamara. I think he'll have a pretty big game in the passing game for them. I think he'll do a decent job in the running game too. And I think the Saints defense. I think the Saints defense is gonna. They got a really good run defense as you saw last week against the Patriots. I think they're gonna completely, completely shut down Saquon Barkley. Demario Davis is one of the most underrated linebackers in this game. He can cover as you saw last week. Demario oh, Davis is very underrated. Us. He can cover and he can stop the run. I think they're gonna. The Saints are gonna completely shut down Saquon Barkley. 
Uh, and I think I think that Marshawn Lattimore is going to do a really good job with Kenny Galladay because Sterling Shepard Sterling Shepard might not play. So I think the Giants will have a hard time moving the ball. I do think Daniel Jones turns the ball over at least one, even though he's played pretty well. I think he's going to turn the ball over once or twice. I think this is going to be a game where, luckily, the this Giants, I think, get some pressure on Winston, maybe force a turnover there so they can get some points that way. But I think the Giants have a hard time moving the ball. I think I think the Saints win this by double digits, and the Giants go to to one four. I got the Saints beating the Giants. 24 to 13, but Justin, can with Tyron Armstead out, can the Giants get enough pressure on Jameis Winston, force some turnovers for them to pull the upset and get their first win? I think they can, but you know, again, we've seen kind of Winston still kind of prone to, you know, the interceptions. He got through, I think it was right towards right at the end of the half last week. He, you know, under pressure just throws up. So, uh, you know, it was lucky ball to like Callaway. Somehow, yeah, that, that play on that play on third down, yeah. Oh my, that 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 was, I that 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 was one of the luckiest plays I've ever seen. Oh, uh, you know that was very unfortunate being a Patriot fan there, but you know I think they can. You know, again and that you know again I he'll try to force a ball in a tight window under pressure. Um, yeah, losing Blake Martinez hurts big time, but this Giants passer does need to. Again, like the Giants in a big spot haven't been able to get that shutdown drive. They may need to be able to do that this week. And, you know, Saints finally back home. Um, I think, yeah, it's going to be tough either without Blake Martinez now with Kamara. You know, he killed us last week or, you know, big game last week. So, you know, again, the defense has to kind of help out the offense right now with their struggles um, and kind of try to force a couple turnovers, keep them in a short field. Uh, but I had the Saints win this game 24-16. I don't think there'd be enough. And my one point in the Giants offense right now, um, you got to get rid of Jason Garrett. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and listen, listen, to be honest, I've been a defender of Jason Garrett. I was a fan. I've been a fan. I was a fan of Jason Garrett. Ted Keys destroyed me. He, he said he was really mad at me when I said I wanted Jason. <laughs> I like Jason Garrett. And Ted Keys did not like the Keys bros did not like that at all. And I said, I like Jason Garrett. But I thought he had success in Dallas as a head coach. I thought he had some success in Dallas as a head coach. But the conservative play calling is oh. what's driving me crazy. And and and, and uh, I would say, yeah, obviously, the Washington game, and they ran the ball twice before they threw the ball. And the and really, and Joe brought this up on Keys of the City on third and 19. If you're going to believe in Daniel Jones, you don't throw a screen to Saquon Barkley there. That is That cannot happen. That cannot happen. If you believe in Daniel Jones, you, 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 you drop a play where he's going to get you into field goal range to win that game. That just shows you that this offensive coordinator has no faith in this quarterback. And this quarterback hasn't played – he hasn't really gotten a chance. He really hasn't gotten no. a chance to win a game because Jason Garrett hasn't given – I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying – I'm not to- totally sold on Daniel Jones, but he really hasn't given him a chance to, 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 to win a game. And Jason Garrett did not do that last week. So I, you're completely right about that. And I, and, I was a, and I was a defender of Jason Garrett for a while. But I think the problem is, is – I think the problem is he got a job right after he got fired in Dallas, and he never learned from his mistakes. I don't think he was a bad coach in Dallas. I thought he was an above and a good to above average coach in Dallas. Won three division titles. I know people are going to think I'm crazy saying it, but he won three division titles. But the problem is, is him jumping right into this situation. That's what really hurt him because he didn't learn from his mistakes. And then I'll take a little bit further with Joe Judge. I feel like Joe Judge right now he's on the hot seat too. He's on the hot seat too because, and I think the the, the worst play Joe Judge. The worst decision Joe Judge made in that game on Sunday was fourth and four from the Atlanta 39. He didn't either kick the field goal or or, 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 uh, or go for it. This is the NFL in 2021. You cannot be doing that. So Judge and Garrett being conservative was definitely a reason they lost that game. And then lastly, the biggest reason they lost that game was because of the offensive line. And you look at, you know, you know, th- 
I look at two. I look at three plays in that game. One, the Grady Jarrett sack in the red zone. Second, the bad snap, and that those led to two field goals, which could have been touchdowns. And then third, Nate Soldier, who has got to be I'm happy they brought in Isaiah Wilson because Nate Soldier has got to be gone. That play, Nate Soldier, the hold that that crushed that drive. That that's what set up that third and nineteen was Nate Soldier getting destroyed by Dante Fowler on that play. So those were the. I mean, my reasons why Garrett. And, and Judge are on the hot seat, and why Garrett needs to be fired. Judge is on the hot seat, and why the, the biggest reason why the Giants lost on Sunday. Yeah, no, it's it's been bad. Yeah, the conservative because it's like didn't you bring in Galladay? Like Kadarius Tony's a deep threat. Like didn't you guys bring in these guys for like deep threats? And it's like they call it once on one play or like once a drive, they'll hit it, and it's like you never go back to it. That it just yeah it becomes like conservative. It just I don't get it and. Jones hasn't been – if you told me after week three, you know, Daniel Jones isn't the biggest problem. I'm like, Giants are kind of – I guess the offensive line didn't play great, but the first two weeks, like, they played pretty well. And it's like, if you kind of told offensive me that – Offensive line like, was, t- was terrible on Sunday. It was terrible though, and then it wasn't It wasn't great against Washington. But Daniel Jones, yeah, he's not been the biggest problem. No. I think the defense has been a, b- a bigger problem. I think the offensive line's obviously been a bigger problem. And the run game's been a problem. The run game, Jason Barkley hasn't really gotten the job done, let's be honest. I mean, oh, I know the offensive line definitely plays a big factor in that. But the run game has been a problem too. So, yeah, Daniel Jones in two of the three games, I mean, he didn't play as well as he did against Washington against, as he did against Atlanta. But Daniel Jones didn't play that badly against it. He didn't play poorly against Atlanta. He didn't play great against Denver. But he didn't play – I mean, Washington played well and against Atlanta. He didn't play that poorly. It's just it's been other things around Daniel Jones that have that have been hurting the Giants. Yeah, absolutely. It, it has. And, you know, it was nice to see Tony on the field – Kadarius Tony in the field last week. I, you know, I wish – I hope they get him more involved. But, like, yeah, the offensive line's really struggled. But it's like if you, you know, this is why I don't like. I know Joe Judge wasn't the guy that drafted him, and but like, you know, the whole organization seemed to believe in Daniel Jones, and it's like they don't. And then it's like you fire that kind of staff. Now you bring in this staff that you know I don't think they're high on Daniel Jones. You know, besides you know, besides your owner, I, I just don't. And then um, Gentleman, I don't think this coaching staff really believes, and I think it's kind of a trust. And yeah, he isn't really. You know, he hasn't lost your games yet, but, like, you know, you got to give him a couple chances because it seems like the guys you picked up were to kind of get this offense more explosive, and it's like they don't – they're not really doing that so far. And I know it's only week three, but – you're 0-3, and your schedule is not easy to like December. Oh, look, look at the schedule. Where's, where's the wins coming from? At New Orleans, at Dallas. You saw the way Dallas looked Monday night. You got the yeah. Rams. You got the Panthers. All right, maybe there that could be a win. You got at Kansas City. That's a loss. So it's just probably going to be at minimum a 2-6, and 1-7 and seven start. You're going to be starting 1-7 and seven for the third time in four years in the Dave Gettleman era. And then you yeah. got the Raiders, okay, maybe a win. And then the Buccaneers. So you probably are going to at best start 2-8 and eight or 3-7. and seven. I mean, and that's why, uh, obviously, uh, I think they're going to have to clean house. Unfortunately, Daniel Jones, like Sam Darnold, might have to get pushed out of there because the Giants might want to reset the clock at the quarterback position. But it looked, it's looking like the way uh, – when, when the and with the Giants losing two, oh, two, two winnable games and the way the schedule looks, it looks like they're in for a long season. Yeah, it does. And now, you know, talking about the new quarterback, and there's an old misconnection right now. I know they love kind of the Eli connection. Matt we'll Corral get there. Right now. Yeah, we'll talk about Matt looks, Corral. We'll talk about that. We'll get to that. Really good. He looks like the only quarterback right now that could be a franchise guy at the moment, the college we'll level. So we'll, we'll see there. We will get to that. We will get to that. And, and my bad, Jace, we're going to talk about the Thursday night game really quick before we get to best bets. But, so we'll get to the Thursday night game. 
not a good Thursday night game at all between the G. We usually open with the Thursday night game, but with everything going on this week, we're not in this, in this game. We're not going to get to that. Even though the Bengals have played well, Bengals have been a surprise team this year, two and one, had a big win over the Steelers. I think the Bengals are an improved team. I think their defense has improved with Logan Wilson, a middle linebacker. I've always liked J- Jesse Bates at safety. I think DJ Reader's been good. So in the middle of that defense, they're improved. I think Joe Burrow has played played well the last played played well this year so far i mean him and jamar chase a really good connection joe mixon has played well i think that continues thursday night i think they run the ball well i think joe burrow plays well i think they get pressure on trevor lawrence and obviously we'll get to this later in the season i think urban meyer is 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 start is going to start as is losing this locker room in jacksonville i think trevor lawrence struggles again that's why i got the Bengals winning 27 to 13 but justin the uh, question can trevor lawrence outduel joe burrow shock everyone and pull an upset Probably not. Yeah. Now, you know, not all not all the interceptions are on Lawrence, but he already has seven interceptions right now. Um, you know, they have some guys on the offensive side of the ball that could score, but um, I think Denver's. I mean, Cincinnati's going to get after him. I think the Bengals are going to make it tough day. You know, Jaguars played well against the Cardinals for the first half, um, but again, you know, second half they come out, turn the ball over. That was really about it. So I, I don't see Trevor Lawrence being able to do that in a short week. Yeah, the Denver team, or I mean, I don't know why I keep saying Denver, but Cincinnati, yeah, their defense is really, really improved. Um, they already have 10 sacks already. You know, uh, I, I really do like the Bengals team, and there's a very good shot they're sitting at 3-1 and one come Friday morning. Oh, absolutely, without question, without question. So now we're going to get to our best bets, and we start, it was our first week of doing this segment. We pick three games we like against the spread every single week, me and Justin. We're, I'm going to start uh, – I'll start – and I'll pick my three games. Game number one, I'm obviously going to go with the game we talk, spent 25 minutes on, the Patriots and the Buccaneers. I just think that this is a, te- a Bucks team that's just more talented than the Patriots. We talked about it. So my first one is the Bucks minus six and a half against the Patriots. Second game, I'm going with the Thursday night game. I got the Bengals beating the Jag- uh, uh, minus seven and a half against the Jaguars. I think that the, uh, that, that, that the Jaguars are a complete mess right now and the Bengals are improved. We just discussed that. Uh, uh, we just discussed that. And uh, my last one is I got the the Chiefs uh, minus seven against the Eagles. I looked at Jalen Hurts on Monday night, and he was not good at all. I think the Eagles might stay in that game early because of the two deep zone coverage they play, because they'll limit some of Kansas City's big plays. But ultimately, I don't see Kansas City losing three in a row. I think they'll play a clean game, and Andy Reid's return to Philadelphia. His second, his second game he's going to be coaching in Philadelphia uh, since, since he's been the Eagles coach. I think that Kansas City wins. I think that Kansas City wins this game by two scores. So that's my third game. It's Kansas City over Philadelphia. So I got the Buccaneers minus six and a half, Bengals minus seven and a half, and the Chiefs uh, minus seven. Justin, your best bets. Mine, I got the same one as you started out with. I got Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, I just don't think the Patriots are going to be able to keep up with them, and I don't think they're be able to do enough to slow down Tom Brady in the Buccaneers' offense. So I had the Buccaneers at minus six and a half on the road. Um, my second one, I had the Monday night game, the Los Angeles Chargers at home. I think for the Raiders right now, again, they got very lucky Sunday. They should have blown out the Dolphins. They're very, they're banged up right now. They've already played two OT games with an East Coast game. Um, they already, you know, um, already. So I think, you know, I think for the Chargers, I think they're going to be able to do nothing in this offense. They, they can, the Raiders can't keep relying on their car right now. So I'm going to take the Chargers to get the win at three and a half at home Monday night. And then, I have the Atlanta Falcons um, plus one and a half at home against Washington. I know, um, you know, Atlanta went on the road, got a nice win at New York, but this Washington defense is just horrendous in the back, in the secondary. Um, they can't stop anybody right now. I think Matt Ryan can put up some numbers. 
Um, I didn't get the ball to Ridley. Hopefully, Kyle Pitts and I think Atlanta at home. I just I can't I can't take Washington right now as a whole, as a road favorite. They're just again they're not they're not a very good football team right now. And I think Atlanta's defense does enough to slow down Ty, Ty, Taylor Haneke in in this um Falcon or in this water. And I don't think I don't think Washington's able to do enough offensively. Um, I think Atlanta's defense is. Been okay, you know they put you know they put all right last week against the um, Giants. I think they do enough at home to get the win. Absolutely, absolutely. So those are our best bets, and now we are going to get to the slate of NFL games, and we are going to start with a big game in Dallas. You got two division, you got two teams that are leading their division in Dallas this week as the three and zero Panthers face the two and one Cowboys. And in this game, I think the Panthers obviously are going to miss Christian McCaffrey. This is going to be the big test for Sam Darnold. This will be the test to see if Sam Darnold's a franchise quarterback. Because the Panthers have not, in, in all three of their wins, they've not trailed in any of the games. So this is going to be a big test to see if Sam Darnold's a franchise quarterback. But I do feel like in this game with the Cowboys, with the Panthers not having J.C. Horn, he's out for the season. They did trade for uh, uh, C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville. I do think Dallas is going to be able to throw. I think they'll have a little bit of trouble running the ball because of the Panthers. There's a Shaq Thompson and Derek Brown and Brian Burns. I think they'll be able to stop the run. But I do think that Dallas is going to be able to throw the ball all over the Panthers secondary. I feel like Dak Prescott will have a big game, have two or three touchdowns. I do think Sam Darnold will have success getting the ball to, you know, DJ Moore. And I think, he'll get the, I think Robbie Anderson will get going this week too. I think it's a close game. But at the end of the day, I am going with the Cowboys to go to 3-1. and one. I got them beating the Panthers 31-24. But, Justin, can Sam Darnold t- lead the Panthers to a 4-0 start? It's going to be a tough task to do, but I have the Cowboys knocking them off 27 to 20. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what Chuba Hubbard could do in the backfield, taking over for Christian McCaffrey. He was a 2,000 yard rusher at Oklahoma State. Um, he caught a bunch of passes last week. He, he's a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield as well. Um, you know, again, I, you know, he was last year, the year before that was kind of like a, you know, guy that everybody thought could, couldn't win a Heisman as a running back. So you got a pretty good running back coming out of the backfield here. Um, for, for Carolina as your backup. So, you know, I, I think he could, you know, if he can kind of step up. Um, again, you know, this Dallas defense is, you know, in the secondary still, you know, a little bit kind of shaky. But overall, they seem like they're getting better. Mika Parsons right now has just been an animal on the defensive side coming off the edge. Um, you know, again, and I know for um, Carolina, they haven't – well, you know, they you know they played well against the Saints, but – they're, you know, they put really well against the Saints. Um, you know, they played a pretty bad Houston team last week, but um, and the Jets I, I think, before. yeah, the G- Jets too. Um, which you know wasn't great. They only, you know, they only got 19 points, but I know kind of towards the red zone, they weren't able to do much. I, I think it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I think maybe they could hit on some deep routes to Darnold, but I just don't see them doing enough right now. Um, I think he could play pretty well, but without McCaffrey, I think it's a tough task without him going to Dallas on the road and knocking him off. We'll stay in the NFC East as Patrick Mahomes says to Philadelphia as the Chiefs, who've lost two in a row, face the Eagles, who've lost two in a row. And obviously, I talked about this game, my best bet. I got the Chiefs winning 27-17. But the big question here is, can Jalen Hurts bounce back from his Monday night performance and hand the Chiefs their third straight loss? I think it's um, – I, I, think, I think it's very possible with, with how bad Kansas City's defense has looked. Um, you know, they were they're horrendous defensively. I think their read option could really come in handy here for the um, Eagles. You know, Hurts is a great runner. Um, you know, I'd love to see, like, Jalen Rieger get some sweeps out to the outside as well. 
if they're balanced, I think if they could kind of keep it balanced, kind of keep Kansas City on their toes, I think they could keep this a pretty good ball game. Um, but if not, then, I, you know, I think Kansas City could kind of run away with it. But you can't give um, you can't give the Chiefs extra possessions this game. Jalen Hurts has to protect the football. I think he can. I just don't think they have enough high-power offense here to knock off the Chiefs. We got the Browns heading to Minnesota to face the Vikings, and I think this is going to be a this game is going to be up and down. I think the Browns will do whatever they want in the run game with with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think Odell Beckham will have a touchdown. I think Baker Mayfield plays well, and I think on the other side, these are these are not the Bears offensively. They got they got some weapons. They got they got you know they got Clint Kubiak as the offensive coordinator coordinator. So I feel like their cousin's going to continue to play well. I think he plays well in this game. Gets the ball to Thielen. Gets the ball to Jefferson. I do think Madison does get some yards in the ground too. We'll see if Cook plays, but if he doesn't, Madison's a good backup. So I do think. But the Vikings stay with them. But I do think Miles Garrett becomes the difference. He makes a huge play at the end of the game, forced the turnover from Kirk Cousins. And that's why I got the Browns going to three and one. I got the Browns beating the Vikings 31-24. But Justin, can Kirk Cousins stay hot and lead the Vikings to their second straight win? It's going to be tough. It's a tough one at home. Uh, playing a really good Browns defense. Um, I'm with you. I think they're going to have a hard time slowing down Miles Garrett. Um, you know, if they can kind of keep the ball out of Baker Mayfield hands, kind of, you know, keep a lead somewhat with the running game that was great last week in Seattle. But, you know, Seattle's defense is horrendous. Um, I think, yeah, they, they have enough guys in secondary to be able to um, or I think they have enough weapons offensively to put up some points. I just don't think they have enough here to knock off the um, Cleveland Browns. We got a commenter. Stay, stay on, stay on with us. We're gonna, we're gonna get to baseball. We're gonna get to baseball. So stay on. So, so yeah. So, 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 so the guy, the person who commented, just stay on. We're gonna, we're gonna get to baseball. But, but we got to, we got to keep, keep going, going on the NFL slate. And we'll now, now we got the Titans heading to MetLife Stadium to face the Jets. And I think you know AJ Brown might not play. Julio Jones might, might not play either. So that might keep this game closed because the Jets will be keyed in on Derrick Henry. But I think Derrick Henry takes over in the second half. And I got the Titans being the Jets. 24-9. Justin, I assume you got the Titans as well because how pathetic the Jets' offense has been throughout the first three weeks. Yeah, I have the Titans 27-13. No Brown or Jones could – or Julio Jones may not play. So I, I could see this being an opportunity where they went to Cincinnati last year. Tennessee just laid an egg. But um, I, I think Tennessee should be able to kind of do whatever they want. Um, and as long as they protect the football – it's been tough for the Jets. Zach Wilson kind of had a rough time here. Doesn't have a good off the line yet. Titans should win by two scores. We have we have the Colts heading to Miami to face the Dolphins, and this is a very interesting game. Another reunion game. Funny, we didn't talk about some of the other reunion games. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski faced the former t- former team with the Vikings. Here's another reunion game: is Jacoby. Jacoby Brissett faces his former team in the Indianapolis Colts, and I think this is going to be a really close, competitive game, but. I just don't love what I've seen from the Colts' offensive line. I think Flores bringing blitz is going to expose that. Carson Wentz hasn't been able to push the ball down the field. I do think Indy gets a little bit of a run game going, but I do think the Dolphins' defense forced a turnover or two from Wentz. And I do think Bursette plays mistake-free against 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 the Colts. I mean, And I do think the Dolphins grind out a win. I think the Dolphins go to 2-2, two and two, grind out a close win. I got the Dolphins beating the Colts 20-17. to 17. But, Justin, can Carson Wentz lead the Colts to their first win? I think they can. Um, I have the Colts winning this one 21-17. It's been a tough three weeks for the Colts. The schedule maker did not do them any favorites with their first three games. Um, but I really felt like 
like the Dolphins didn't really play that well last week. Raiders, I just thought the Raiders just kind of just gave, kept the Dolphins in that game themselves. Um, you know, the Raiders should have really blown them out, but yeah, they were up twenty five fourteen, really up twenty five to seven because of that yeah. turnover. Yeah, it, but that's thing that that's Gruden. Um, Gruden loves to just run the ball, try to kill the clock, but that never works, and they blow every single game. Um, but I, I think, you know, Indy's defense keeps in the game. I thought they did pretty well last week against the Titans offense. Again, I know he's been um, – Wentz has been banged up. I know um, – but I, I think, you know, they're, uh, I think they can force some turnovers, the Colts defense, and I think Carson Wentz is able to make enough plays in this game to get them a win. I just think the Colts have too good of a roster to sit there at 0-4 too. Like, I, I think they, they, they find a way. I think they're too good to be 0-4. But the problem is there's guys in that roster who haven't played to their potential, and they got injuries on that offensive line. You, know, you got Bray, Brendan Smith hurt, uh, Quentin Nelson hurt, and they got Xavier Rhodes hurt. So I don't think that roster has completely played to their potential. But it should be, they very easily could win that game. It's a 50-50 game on, uh, on Sunday between those two teams. But we got to get to an NFC matchup in Atlanta as the Falcons take on the Washington football team. I think this is going to be a close competitive game. I think that, you know, both defenses are going to get are going to get some pressure on the quarterbacks. I think both defenses force the quarterbacks to make a mistake. But I think the difference in this game is I'm taking Matt Ryan over Taylor Heineke. I think this game is close late, but I think Matt Ryan injures another game winning drive for the Falcons, and that's why I got the Falcons going to two and two and beating the Washington Football Team twenty three twenty. But Justin, can the can the Washington Football Team put enough pressure on Matt Ryan to get their second win? Yeah, uh, this is one of my best bets. I have Atlanta twenty four to twenty one. Um, I didn't even like the way you know the whole Washington defense has not been great so far. You know, the secondary pass rush. You know, Montez Sweat's been really good, but you know, other than that, last week I know they played a really good Bills team. They really couldn't do much at all last week defensively. Um, I think they can. I think it's very possible. You can kind of see, you know, Matt Ryan throwing the throwing a couple interceptions. If he is under pressure, but. I think the way Washington defense is playing right now, I don't have a ton of confidence in them, and I see Matt Ryan making enough plays in this game to get a win at home. Got an NFC North matchup in Chicago as the Lions, who lost a brutal game last week at home to the Ravens, face the Bears with a coach that has no idea how to coach Justin Fields. And I really don't have confidence this coach is going to know how to how to coach him this week or even who the quarterback's going to be. And that's why I got the Lions coming in and pulling this upset. I got the Lions winning it 21-17 over the Bears. I, I just think that, you know, I don't think Matt Nagy's going to adjust. I think he's too stubborn. And, and the thing is, is I gave Matt Nagy I, – I was actually pretty high on Matt Nagy. I gave him the benefit of the doubt when Mitch Trubisky was there. I, I put it on Trubisky. I put it on the GM for passing on Mahomes and Watson. I put it on Trubisky because Matt Nagy's never had a losing season as an NFL head coach. But yesterday sh- – yeah, but last week showed – showed how stubborn Matt Nagy was. How the heck could you let Justin Fields uh, drop back to throw, not run any, you know, not run any zone read or read option, not roll him out, not build an offense to, to suit his strengths. They, 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 Matt Nagy threw him to the Wolves, so that game plan was 100% on Matt Nagy, and that offensive coaching staff did an absolutely terrible job last week. And that's why, I don't think they're going to do a good job this week. That's why I got the Lions going in there and getting their first win and upsetting the Bears 21-17. But, Justin, can Matt Nagy adjust to somehow get 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 the can Matt Nagy bounce back from an absolutely pathetic coaching performance to get the Bears their second win? I don't think so. I got the Lions too. I never thought I'd ever pick the Lions, but I got them twenty seventeen. It's they. I don't know. If you saw this? They had forty seven total yards. They and they they lost sixty seven yards in sacks. So they had like you know they were sacked more yardage than they actually had total offense in twenty twenty one. That's that's bad. I, I cannot believe they didn't fire him after that performance. You got, you know, I don't think so. I, I'm with you. They didn't, they, it, 
you know, he doesn't suit what Justin Fields can do. Yeah, with the option stuff. He's such a great runner. Rule him out because you're all in the line. is so bad. I don't I don't have any kind. Did you hear him the press conference last week? He's like, um, yeah, you know, we're kind of finding out something we didn't know about Justin Fields before we started giving him like reps. It's like you're not even getting like that's on you. That's not on. Oh, we just figured this out on Justin Fields. It's like you, you should have been giving him first team reps. I just I don't have any confidence in Nagy and. Again, they lose Sunday. There is no excuse why the guy should not be fired. It, and the thing is, it, it's bad. I agree. And the thing is, is you know Nagy, you know he came there, you know in 2018 to try to develop Mitch Trubisky, failed at that. But the reason was because Trubisky was no good, and they passed on Mahomes and Watson. So he gets a second chance as an offensive mind to develop another QB, and it looks like he's failing doing that as well. Yeah, absolutely, it does, and I don't, I don't think it's getting any better. I, I don't like again Detroit. Should have won. I know Baltimore is a bad spot for him, but Detroit's going to play hard. And I don't, you know, Detroit's going to come after Fields, and I just don't have, and I don't think the game champ, game plan changes for the Bears. I just, what what kind of showed you that Matt Nagy's going to do it? I just, he has, he hasn't adjusted in four years, and I don't think he's adjusting on Sunday, and it should, and if they lose, that should cost him his job. He should yeah. be fired. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you because you're, you're going to get this guy killed, Field. You keep running the way you're, you're running this offense right now. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You got to get rid of him. Without question. Without question. Uh, last 1 o'clock game, we got the Texans going to Buffalo to face the Bills. I think the Bills do whatever they want against the Texans, and they win 34-10. I assume you agree, Justin. Yeah, I got Bills 34-13. to Bills, yeah. They should torch them through the air. Hopefully they air out the ball for Davis Mills this week, time on this week because you're going to have to. Um, and I would like to see that. But, yeah, 34-13, Bills should win big. Got a huge, huge game in the NFC West as the Cardinals travel to L.A. to face the Rams. But it comes down to this for me. It's Cliff Kingsbury against Sean McVay. And Sean McVay has owned Cliff Kingsbury his entire career. At 4-0 against Cliff Kingsbury, and I think it's going to be more of the same on Sunday. I think that the Rams are going to do whatever they want on offense. Stafford's going to have a big game, throw three or four touchdowns. They'll be able to run the ball. They get Dontrell Henderson back, him and Sony Michelle, that combination. They're going to be able to run the ball. I'm kicking myself. I, I had the Rams going to the NFC Championship game before the Cam Akers injury, and I'm kicking myself I don't have them going to the NFC Championship game because right now I think they're the best team in the NFL. I think – I mean, them, them are the Bucks, but I, I think – or the Bills, but I think they're the best team in the NFL. I think that – you know, the, the, the pressure that uh, Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd are going to put on the quarterback. You got the top corner in uh, Jalen Ramsey. You got, you know, Darius Williams. And I think in this game, yeah, Arizona might move the ball a little bit because they got a pretty good offense too. But I think the Rams win this, and I got the Rams winning this handedly. I got the Rams winning 31-20. I just don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. Terrible move last week, kicking a 68. What are you doing? Kicking a 68-yard field goal. What are you oh, doing? I don't, I, I don't trust him. I know they're 3-0 and because of the talent. It's not because of the coaching. It's because of the talent. That's why they're 3-0. and uh, the, the one good move Cliff Kingsbury made was getting rid of Josh Rose and getting Kyler Murray. I just don't think – I think it's a major coaching, coaching mismatch. I got the Rams winning 31-20. to But, Justin, can Kyler Murray outdo Matthew Stafford and take the cards to 4-0? and Yeah, I, you mentioned it. it's a coaching mishap, mis, mismatch big time. So, yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, they certainly had the talent in Arizona to do it. Um but yeah, as you mentioned too, McVay's four and zero. I don't see Cliff Kingsbury getting the win here um, this this week. I think they're going to keep it interesting. I think Murray can make enough plays to keep this thing interesting. Um, I think you know Hopkins could you know again like if he keeps spreading the ball around to Kirk more, you know um, Hopkins. I, I think they'll score some points. 
but I just don't see um, the Rams getting stopped much at all. Um, you know, Cliff Kingsbury not a they have a great defense. He's not the greatest defensive minded guy. Um, Texas Tech, he did not care about defense. I don't. So. I don't think he knows anything about defensive football. No. <laughs> I don't think he knows no. anything about defensive football. That's the problem. He got talent in the defense. I don't think he knows anything about defensive football. In my, in my opinion. No, you you could just watch it for these years at Texas Tech. They they he wanted to give up points as quick as quick as possible yeah. so you get the yeah. ball back. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I got the Rams winning this thing thirty to twenty three. Staying in the NFC West, we got the Seahawks traveling to Santa Clara to face the Niners, and uh, I think this is a close, really really close competitive game between these two teams. There's a chance George Kittle might not play for the Niners, but I do think Seattle's defense against the run has not been good. Madison ran all over them. Henry ran all over them the week before. I think Seattle's defense is just not it. The problem with Seattle's defense is their two top players are at positions. You don't want your two top players to be at safety and linebacker. You don't want that if you're building a championship defense. That's why this defense is not good. I think the Niners do whatever they want against this defense in the run game. I do think Wilson, though, has a big game, just like Rodgers did against, against the 49ers. I do think that Wilson has a good game, too. I think it comes right down to the end, but I got the 49ers winning it close, going to 3-1. and one. I got the Niners beating the Seahawks 27-24. But, Justin, can Russell Wilson carry this team to their – end this two-game losing streak and carry this team to their second straight win? It's going to be a very difficult task. Now, through the first three games of the season, Seattle's last in present, you know, uh, percentage time with the ball, you know, in the second half. It's like 32% they've had possession of the football. And I think with the I think with the Niners' run game, I think they could just have a seven, eight-minute drive. And just like the last two weeks, that just you they can't get Russell Wilson on the field and – you know, and again, they go three and out or just have a quick kind of 10, 15 plays. You know, I don't I don't see them. I just see I don't see their defense making enough plays. And I, I think this, it's lost more on, you know, the defense and it's Russell Wilson. I think the first half he's going to make some plays, but I think in the second half, I just don't think Russell Wilson's going to have enough opportunities with the ball to get them points. And I, I got the Niners winning this thing 28 to 21. We got the Ravens heading to Denver to face the uh, to face the Broncos, and uh, I think this is a uh, I think this is going to be a really close competitive game. I think that uh, I think Denver's going to have success running the football. I, I do think Baltimore is 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 going to have some trouble running the ball, but I think the difference in this game is going to be the quarterback, and then some of the receiver injuries for Denver too. I think that. Marlon Humphrey is going to lock up Cortland Sutton. I do think the Baltimore defense is going to force some turnovers. And I do think Lamar Jackson, I think they'll have trouble running the ball, but I think he's going to do enough with his legs and he's going to make enough more plays and less mistakes than Teddy Bridgewater. And I think that the Ravens are going to go into Denver and pull the upset. I got the Ravens beating the Broncos 23-20. to 20. But, Justin, can the Broncos D carry them to a 4-0 start? I think they can now. For the Broncos, your first two opponents are combined 0 and 9. So they really, you know, this is really their first kind of real test of the year. Um, I think they're really good against a run game. I think they do enough to slow down Lamar. I think they think they make an. I know losing Bradley Chubb is huge and not having him, you know, hurts. And I know kind of injury wise, um, yeah, wide receiver, you know, they're kind of banged up. But I think Denver's defense does enough to slow them down. Um, I, I think they're going to kind of try to take away. Um, or I, you know, I, I think they're going to kind of try to force Lamar to make some, you know, bad, poor, re, poor throws, um, you know, in the secondary. I think their secondary does enough, and I think Teddy Bridgewater manages the game well enough to keep to keep, um, you know, them in this game and eventually win it. I think the Broncos win twenty three twenty one. 
We got a rematch of Super Bowl 45 in Green Bay on Sunday afternoon as the Packers face the Steelers. And I think the Packers win this game by double digits. I think the Steelers did not move on from Big They should have moved on from Big Ben. I think that off, this offensive line is terrible. They have trouble running the football. I think their offense has been anemic so far. I think, I think the Steelers' defense, if they have T.J. Watt, might keep them in this game. But as you know, that's been a huge loss for the Steelers. Ever since this Steelers' defense has lost T.J. Watt, it's not been the same defense. It shows you why he's arguably the best pass rusher in the game because they haven't been able to get anywhere near the pressure they, they did when they had T.J. Watt. That first week in Buffalo, they got a ton of pressure on Josh Allen. And they got some pressure on Derek Carr, too, in the first half against, against the Raiders. T.J. Watt goes down. That all goes away. And Carr's had, Carr's had success. Burrow had success against them. I think the, the Packers win this game by more if T.J. Watt doesn't play. But if T.J. Watt plays, I do think, and without David Bontier, I do think the Steelers keep it close for a while. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think Aaron Rodgers has, has a good game. It's Aaron Rodgers against a washed-up Big Ben. That's why I got the Packers going to 3-1 and one and winning by double digits, 27-16. to 16. But the question is, Justin, can the Steelers' defense contain Rodgers for them to get their second win? Well, you, you said it. You know, if they have T.J. Watt, then I think it's very possible. You know, but without him, no. Because, again, you kind of saw they, they you know, um, they they kind of struggled last week, and I know you know a bunch of turnovers kind of hurt them. Um, you know, last week for the Steelers, but look, you know, um, they got to get off the field in third down, which against tough. But um, if you know Rogers and kind of this offense looks like they've really found a rhythm uh, right right now, and I just think if they can't get any pass rush on them, I just think that's going to hurt the secondary because you know, uh, look, if they could kind of you know. If they can take away Demonte Adams, kind of make like anybody one of those other wide receivers kind of beat you, maybe you have a better shot. But right now, I, I think Rogers um, is kind of he's finally in a rhythm, and I think this offense as well. And I just I just think the Steelers are going to have a tough time in this game, just trying to do anything offensively. And again, you got to score some points to beat Rogers, and I just don't think you're be, be able to do that. So I have the Packers twenty four fourteen. We got an AFC West matchup on Monday night in, uh, in in Los Angeles, and this was one of Justin's best bets, so I'll, I'll just talk about this game. I think this is going to be – and because Justin gave you his opinion on this one, uh, I think this is going to be a really close competitive game between these two teams. I think it's going to be up and down the field with Derek Carr and Justin Herbert, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the home team. And I, and this, I remember this game last year. I think the Chargers won it – like had it won at the end, and then they, I think they wiped the touchdown off the board, and they lost yes. the game. So I got, I got the, I got the Chargers winning a close one. I got the Chargers winning thirty-one to twenty-seven on Monday night. So we, the Yankees and Red Sox are going in opposite directions. But before we talk about that, we got a couple promos from Clovercrest Media. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside flooding those little pests, you are in luck. Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield Tailored Treatment System. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for this season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. 
Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. And how about those Yankees? We got we to start with that. I mean, they've won seven in a row. They're Right now, they're in great position. They're two games. They, they, they hold the first wild card in the American League. They're two games uh, ahead of the Red Sox, three games ahead of Toronto. And the big story is John Carlos Stanton. He has been phenomenal. It all started Friday night, the three-run homer to put the Yankees up 6-0. That ended that game. Then on Saturday, down 2-1 in the eighth, hits the grand slam. That ended that game. Then on Sunday, with after, after Judge's double to put the Yankees up 4-3, he hits a two-run homer. I don't think that ball's landed yet either. That, that, that ended that game. And then last night, a three-run homer in the seventh, that ended that game. Four home runs, 13 RBIs, the best four-game stretch of his career. At this point, Yankee fans need to stop bashing John Carlos Stanton. All the Stanton bashing needs to end, and I, I was guilty of it. And then Joe yelled at me two years on the run, Kansas City, when I commented about Stanton not hitting in the postseason. The Stanton bashing needs to end. It's over. No, I, I, honestly, as a Yankee fan, I haven't seen a player have, have hit in a four-game stretch in the regular season hit this many the play this way or hit this many meaningful home runs. Every single one of those home runs had meaning. They all pretty much ended the Red, the Red Sox or Blue Jays' chance to win that game. Absolutely phenomenal. Justin, your thoughts on Giancarlo? Wow, that, that was an impressive weekend. Especially that ball he had out last night. Like, that thing was, like, down and in. That thing was looking like it was going to be, like, in the dirt almost. I mean, he absolutely clobbered it. Yeah, he's been on fire right now. Um, I, think, I think it's since, like, August 5th. Judge and Stan combined have 35 home runs and 95 RBIs. They, Unbelievable. Those two, Unbelievable. Those two have been on fire. And, the, you know, the Stan, you know, again, when, when the time – when when it matters, Stan's been good. You, you go back to last year in the playoffs, he had, you know, big six home runs in that series against the Rays last year. Um, you know, he's been good when it kind of gets to this time of year. And, and right now he's on fire. So, I think he's – so, he's had 91 or 92 at-bats this month. The 10 of them have been home runs. So, this is Giancarlo Stanton that – We've all thought we've been we you know, we were going to get from Miami. He's been on fire, and and look, if him and Judge could carry this team, it but like if they go Lemayhu or Rizzo Gal could kind of sprinkle in like an RBI or two in there, they have a chance if these two are locked in. Because again, if guys aren't base, then you know they're tough to pitch to right now. And I think a big reason why these guys, you know, Judge and Stan, especially Stan, is doing so well is because of what Rizzo has done at the number two spot. I think Rizzo had that double on Friday night before Stan hit that home run. He, he got obviously got on base on Saturday before Stan hit the grand slam. And then, you know, he had that double on us on, 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 on Sunday. And then he got that big hit last night to tie the game. I think, you know, Rizzo has done a really good job at the top of this lineup. lemay has been better. Rizzo's been, I think, really good, really, really good in the two hole. And obviously talking about Aaron Judge. I mean, Aaron Judge saved this team. Uh, early in September when they were on that losing streak that, that he's had, he's had three huge hits for this team when they've trailed in the eighth inning. He had that three run homer against the Mets. He had that three run homer to tie the game against the twins. And then he had that, you know, big two run double. I uh, mean, he, he pumped his fist on Sunday night. So Aaron judge and John Carlos Dan really been saving this team. I like the fact that, uh, that uh, Rizzo has really done well. LeMay has been better. I mean, the, the question with this lineup is other, the, of the other guys, the, the Gallows, the Torres is, uh, 
the Urshelas, those are the – I know Urshela don't run that thing, but those guys got to step up around th- these players. That's what's going to make this lineup great heading into the postseason. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, and, and you know, with Rizzo, that, you know, I agree. He's been a huge help this time of the lineup. But even putting him at, between Judge and Stan, it's like Saturday, you know, and I don't know why Court did this because Rizzo's numbers are like it's 100 point higher. His averages against um, against lefties and righties. And I don't know why he went to Darwitz and Hernandez there because lefty on lefty, but Rizzo's better against lefties. You know, like they breaking that up too. I, I think it's been huge because you know, obviously with the three batter rule, um, Darwitson had to stay in there in a big spot against Stan. And you know, we all know what happened. So yeah, you know, Rizzo's been that. You know. I think that's helped as well with, you know, where he is in the order. But, yeah, like Gallo, Gallo at one point had like eight home runs his last nine games. I know he's starting to cool off now. But, like, if he can sprinkle an occasional hit or two, like, you know, I'll take it. Gary seems like he has the worst luck in the world. Like, I thought that Ranger series, he hit six line shots just right at somebody. It's just like, what are you going to do? Yeah, Torres, I, I just, you know, I, I just don't really know what Torres. It's just, I don't know how you could be at 38 home run hit her three years ago and now you, you can't even you know he's not that's, even he's that's been eight. the biggest mystery of this lineup is glaber torres yeah yeah I, I just i don't know what's wrong and i guess he's been a little bit better since moving a second you know but again i don't know if that that but that i don't think that answer you know i don't think that's going to solve the whole thing and it hasn't yet but yeah like lemay hasn't been great he's been better but um if, if you know guys to just do a little bit then, yeah, then I, again, you know, with judging staying the way they're playing, then again, you know, they, they're going to be tough to stop. But again, it's a rest of the lineup's got to just do a little bit, you know, they don't have to also hit like 400, but in the playoffs, but yeah, they just do a little bit, you know, get on base or knocking a guy on third and in a big situation, then yeah, this team could, this team can go a long way. Oh yeah, I'm not missing. I'm not ruling out this. I'm not ruling out the team being for a championship. You got a Tampa team. If you get win the wild card game, you got a Tampa team that, in my opinion, is not built for the. It's not built for postseason baseball. That team is not built for postseason baseball. They don't have a true number one. They don't have a true player. Great top bullpen in the game, but they don't have a true closer. So that team, to me, is not built for postseason baseball this year. Last year they were with their rotation and, and their and, and their closer, and they and they had Castillo as their closer. So last year they were built for it. I don't think the Tampa team, in my opinion, is built for postseason baseball. But looking at the Yankees, uh, you look at this rotation; it's definitely pitched well. Garrett Cole did the job on Friday. Uh, Montgomery and Cortez were were good. Unfortunately, Tyone got hurt last night, uh, and then they got you know, and then they got uh, they got Kluber, who I'm a little concerned about. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's got to be better, but he pitches. He's the one guy I'm concerned about in that rotation. Uh, we'll see if, if what they're going to do, if they're going to add Herman or have Severino. I think they're going to keep Severino in the bullpen. We'll see what they do. We'll see who, if, if Tyone can't go, I think it might, they might have to have Kluber as that number four starter. I definitely keep Cortez and Montgomery in the rotation. Here's, here's another count from Hector. With the Yankees being inconsistent, are they hot right now just to cool off in the postseason? I think, listen, Hector, I think this thing has, has a chance to last. And I, I think this team, I mean, I think this team, I, I do like the White Sox and the Astros better than the Rays, I, but I think this team could go on a run with the way they're with the way they're playing right now, the, the way the pitching is, and the bullpen's been a big thing. I think a lot of people haven't talked about the bullpen. That has really came together, you know, especially during this winning streak. I like I, Clay Holmes, I like him coming out of the pen. I like Chad Green coming out of the pen. They're hoping to get Lewisica back, who's, who's been really good this year. And Chapman has started to find his groove. I think, you know, he struggled in, you know, he struggled in June and July, but I feel like Boone having confidence in him, keeping him in that closer role, I think he's found his group. So I, I listen, in my opinion, 
I think this Yankee team can do it. I really think the way they're playing, they could do it. A lot of people are saying, oh, they're going to lose the Rays in the first round. I don't believe that. I, I don't think the Rays are built for postseason baseball. I don't think it's, it's a team built for the postseason. They don't have a good enough rotation, and they don't have a consistent closer. I think their lineup is is, 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 is the best it's, I think it's ever been the Rays lineup, the Rays lineup. But I just don't think they have a consistent closer or a good enough rotation. I wouldn't be surprised the Yankees knocked them out this year. I wouldn't either. Um, I think it helps a little bit that they actually have some days off, too. Because I think what really – We might have lost in Justin. You know, in the series. Um, so I, I think that did, you know, hurt the Rays a year ago. Um, but, like, yeah, like their lineup's good. I could see it. And even Michael King on the bullpen is coming off the I.L. He can oh, eat really good last because, night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, the thing is, like, either there. Yeah. you know, outside of Cole, you really can't trust anybody to go past five innings. So it's like, you know, like even Seve, like I like saving the bullpen right now. If he can eat two to three innings for you a night in the playoffs, you're looking good because they're going to really have to rely on their bullpen because outside of Cole, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. I know Kluber historically has been great in the postseason, but, you know, Again, he's a different guy now. Um, you'd hope you get some glimpses of it, but, you know, hopefully he pitches better, I think, tomorrow night he goes. So, yeah, you know, I, again, I could see him. The lineups the Rays have is going to be tough. Um, they, you know, they've been able to kind of – That's going to be the tough – that's going to be the question because if they're going to win that series, Garrett Cole's got to win the game he pitches, and most likely he won't, he won't pitch in prob- probably until game three. So that that that's why if they do get in that five game series with the Rays, it could be very very hard. It could it could be hard. They're deaf. They're going to have to hit. They're going to have to hit. If they don't hit, they have no chance against the Rays. But with this lineup and the Rays pitching, I'm confident that they that that, that, that they will be able to hit. But yeah, you made a good point about the rotation. The funny thing is, is that kind of kept the Yankees afloat for most of the season. But now going into the postseason, because of the way the bullpen yeah. has been and the way Judge and Stanton have been, that's kind of turned into a little bit of a weakness. But I think this rotation is is good enough to win a championship with. I think Montgomery and Cortez can, can eat innings for you. Garrett Cole's a true ace. So, so I think this rotation is good enough. I think this team right now is good enough to, is, is good enough right now to, to win it. I think, you know, Boone scares me a little bit, but I, I, I think the team's good enough to win it. No, absolutely. I think they are, you know, they, they are. I think the rotation can be stable enough that they could, you know, the thing is, you know, you hope the bats don't go silent in October, which has kind of been the Yankees kind of issue at times. And, you know, like outside of Cole, do you really, you know, you know, it's like the one guy you really feel confident that could kind of get you a big, you know, six, seven inning, you know, um, you know, shutdown. You know, he was great Friday night and, you know, that was a postseason game. He set the tone for that whole Red Sox year Friday night the way he, I guess it helped the, the lineup to score three runs, but then he came out, got the shutdown inning and really kind of silenced that whole uh, place on Friday. So, he was great. He'll be have to be great again tonight against Brios, another kind of playoff atmosphere type game up in Toronto. But yeah, you know this rotation. I I think it's good enough. I scared me a bit. You know, if the Rays kind of get hot with that lineup, but um, you know, and again, if it's like, yeah, Cole's probably gonna go game three in the wild card. So it's if they get in, they beat the, you know they win whoever they beat in the wild card game. If they can at least steal one in Tampa Bay two, come home with Cole game three. You gotta pretty feel good about Cole first game being the Bronx game three, going up two one with you know the closeout game. Hopefully you know game four at in the Bronx. You kind of feel good. So uh, you know I think if they could see one down to Tampa Bay, you're 
feeling pretty good about yourself. And yeah, before we and obviously we've been kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves talking about the talking about playing the Rays, but it's because we got to get into the playoffs first. But tonight, if the if we got Garrett Cole on the mound against Toronto, if the Yankees win tonight, they're in the playoffs. There's no doubt. Yankees win tonight, they're in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know if they would guarantee they'd be hosting the wild card game, but they win tonight, they're definitely in the playoffs. And you got the perfect guy in the mound. With, it's all lining up perfectly. You got Garrett Cole on the mound. You got the right guy. The Yankees win tonight, they're in. Yeah, absolutely. They, they should. You know, you, you got to take two out of three for Toronto. You know, again, I, I see them at least getting a game or two against Tampa next their, this upcoming weekend. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, they're, you, they're not. They're not. They're not going to lose all three games to the Rays when the Rays have nothing no. to play for. No, you know, I think the Rays are going to set up their pitching staff, but you know, most of that lineup is still going to be in there just because it's not a forty-man roster anymore. So you're going to have a major league roster lineup you're going to have to face. But um, yeah, you know, Cole's the guy. You know, again, Cole. You know, Cole has always seen the love kind of the, you know, late September, early you know October, when he pitches best. I know Barrios has been better. I know it's going to be a tough matchup tonight against the Yankees, but. They've had some success over the years against Rio, so I, I feel confident they can get enough runs for Garrett Cole. Be, it'd be nice to get another two, three runs and just for Garrett, because I know that's been one of the things they run support has not been great for him. I guess for most of the guys, it really hasn't. But you know, you can get Cole, Cole an early lead too, because Toronto's bats seem like they've cooled off. And that's kind of been the story. Like for weeks, it seems like the bats are great, and then other weeks for the Blue Jays, it just kind of seems they can't get anything going. So right now, it kind of seems they're in a cold stretch. So. Uh, you know, it be you know that which helps Cole as well. Yeah, you look at obviously you look at the Blue Jays. You know their upcoming games got two with the Yankees, then then three with the Orioles. Uh, so uh, they're 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 right now they're out of the play. They're out of they're actually uh, they're behind the Mariners too. So they're a game behind the Red Sox, and and, and now and now a half game behind the Mariners. So uh, the Blue Jays they definitely got to got to win at least at least to be in the playoffs. They got to I think at least seeing who the Mariners and Red Sox seeing their schedules. The Blue Jays got to win at least one of these two games against the Yankees. Yeah, absolutely, they do. Um, and I know they got Robbie Ray in the mound tomorrow night. So, they, again, this Cy Young candidate right now, that's kind of a good guy you want on the mound there in a, in a and huge that, that's game. One of, and that's one of the reasons why I don't want to face the Blue Jays in the wild card game because I think there's a, there's a good chance Ray will pitch in that wild card mm-hmm. game. And we'll obviously get to Sale because if Sale has to pitch this weekend, he probably won't pitch in the wild card. I mean, he'll come out of the bullpen, but he might not start in the wild card game. But if, if say, Ray – you know, the Blue Jays somehow make the playoffs. Ray is definitely going to be on the mound against Sale in that wild card game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I know Corsa last night, they're not – they don't have their rotation set for Saturday or Sunday. So, I, I think, I think you know, I think it probably depends on what happens the next couple of nights there and what goes on with the Yankees. And I think it's going to determine that because of all these been great against the Yankees besides Friday night. So, yeah, and, you know, we may see Cole – I mean, Sale for the first time in, in two years who usually – that does pitch well against Yankees as well. So, yeah, I think the Red Sox do get in. Um, you're going to see sale, but, man, those those bats last night were awful. And we and we oh. and we got to get and we and we got to get to the Red Sox and really yeah the bats I think the bats the biggest story is obviously the bullpen but we'll first get we'll get to the bats and the bats look at I mean the, the, in the last four games three Bogarts hits. Bogart Listen. yeah three hits last night Bogarts one for sixteen yeah. and uh, JD two for thirteen in their last uh, four games I mean that's that's that, that's uh, I think that's let me think that's 
three for 29 from your four and your five hitter. That just can't happen. That can't happen. I mean, the Red Sox, the strength of their team all year was their offense, but that just can't happen. And they, and they really haven't scored in the three games against the Yankees. They didn't score more than three runs. And they scored two runs last night against a terrible Orioles, against a, t- a terrible Orioles team. So their bats were awful last night. And then obviously this bullpen, you know, you know, they don't have anyone they can trust at the end of the game in the bullpen. They had two two leads, two leads going to the eighth inning against the Yankees, and they couldn't hold them. This bullpen is a disaster right now for the Red Sox. I mean, the rotations improved with Sale coming back, but but all, but Sale really but Sale really has improved. He can go more than six innings. This bullpen has been an absolute disaster for the Red Sox. Yeah, it has. And you know, they're talking about the other day. There's no guarantee right now. Like even Matt Barnes didn't have a spot in this postseason roster because they he's. You know, and if you said that back in you know June, you you'd be you'd be crazy shocked because of the way he pitched. You know, um, but again, may Brazier may get that spot. I know Brazier has been great, but like Barnes doesn't have any confidence right now. I know Vino, you know, you know the Yankees got to him, and he's been you know in high leverage spots. He hasn't been great, and they're hoping Garrett Whitlock comes back this weekend, which again that's going to be a huge help for him because he's been their best guy, but. Yeah, and, and you know Taylor, been good most of the year, but he's you know, but he um he won the deal the other day, and I he may be out prior to the postseason, so um they get there, so yeah, like their bullpen right now, it's kind of shambles, and they you know like they, they really need Matt Barnes to kind of figure things out right now. It just doesn't seem like he has, and Garrett Garrett Richards been you know good mostly out of the bullpen, but he wasn't good the other day, so yeah, right now they don't have guys that they can turn to, and you know um. Like in, in sale, he pitched well and he gave up, you know, that home run. It was it was a change if it sat there in the middle of the zone and um kind of blew the whole thing up last night. So yeah, they don't really have much confidence right now in anybody that comes out of that bullpen. And, you know, again, the way the bats are swinging right now, they they're I think they had they so after the um run for a home run, they had one ball that was like a line drive. Everything else was a ground ball or a pop up last night. So that was like the fourth inning on till jd martinez and i think had a line draft that was it so i the batches they just didn't really seem i don't know if that was in the game plan to just swing early but the way the lineup swinging the bat right now because bruce Zimmer isn't great in in the rest of the old bullpen they if the lineup continues to struggle like this they're in trouble oh huge 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 trouble but talking about the bullpen, this goes back to Hyam Bloom, and we said this for two months, not improving this bullpen. He did nothing at the trade deadline. He didn't even he didn't improve the rotation, but luckily for him, Chris Sale came back. But And Evaldi's had the year he's had. But the biggest issue with the Red Sox is the trade deadline. They didn't improve where they were weak, and the bullpen was kind of falling apart in, 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 in July, and they didn't improve the bullpen, and that's the biggest reason they're in the position they're in right now. Hyam Bloom was content to keep this roster together, and they didn't improve this roster. Every other roster, you see, all these teams that are in it have improved. You see, you see, you see uh, the Yankees. They went out and got Anthony Rizzo to improve their offense. You look at you look at the Blue Jays. They went out and got Jose Barrios to improve their rotation. You look at the Mariners. They went out and got Diego Castillo to improve their bullpen. The Red Sox did not improve their team where they needed to improve their team, and that's why. Yes, they've had a surprising season. Not a lot of people expected them to be in the spot, but. They were content to be in this spot. And I've said this over and over again in a city like Boston, you cannot be content to be in the spot you're in. You got to compete for a championship. And Hyam Bloom did a very, very poor job of improving this team at the trade deadline. Yeah, because, you know, Schwarber, again, like, there's no DH this weekend. He's been great. He's 
I, yeah, I think, you know, from all like the traded guys, he's got like the highest OPS, you know, when he joined the team, you know, like three weeks after. Um, but yeah, because Austin David has been great. Handle Rays, I did, Handle Rays, I forgot it did bring up when we're talking about bullpen. He's been better. I think he's gone like nine or 10 straight appearances without giving up a earned run. He has in September. He's, He's been pretty good, but that's been about it. But like, but he did blow some games back in the month of August. I, you know, a Twins game he blew. Um, there, there was a couple other games he blew. He's kind of started to figure out the last few weeks. But yeah, they didn't do enough. Like Hansel Reyes, there's a reason why they didn't get much form. You know, I know the Twins are kind of rebuilt, or I think they got Twins or yeah, the Twins. But um, he's still not great, and you know, he's not a guy you really want to lean on. So yeah, like they, you know. I know they were kind of in the running for Kimbrel, but again, I don't know what happened there if they didn't really go after him. Or, but look, you know, yeah, they didn't do enough. They didn't get like a high leverage guy, and you know, Barnes has been struggling, and, and Anavino lately, high leverage spots hasn't really came up, and Garrett Woodlock going the IL as well really hurt. So, yeah, you know, they didn't do enough, and again, it kind of, you know, hey, you know, we're surprising everybody. Yeah, it, you know, it doesn't. Just ha- just surprising everybody does not uh does not excite the people in Boston. It's you know you, you got to take the next steps there. Yeah, he he did not trade the line. Not at all, not at all. So we got to serve to one of our commenters. One of our commenters wanted to give our thoughts on the Mariners. We'll both give our thoughts on the Mariners. And uh, first, you know, my, my my thought on the Mariners is, and the big reason why they are where they are, uh, Kyle Seager and Mitch Haniger have had career years, and they've needed to to make this offense you know capable and keep it keep it in the middle of the pack in the league. And so, so this offense is in the middle of the pack because of that. I think Flexen is at a really, really good year as one of their starting pitchers. I think their pitching depth is their lineup and their, and their, the depth of their lineup and their depth of their, uh, of their rotation are not great. But I think the biggest move was, was getting Castillo, finding a closer and then getting Castillo to be the setup man. Cause that has been excellent. The team is, I wrote them off. I, I don't know if this listener, this guy was listening to me, you know, two weeks ago, I wrote them off. I said, if they lose the Red Sox, their season's over. Two weeks ago, I was wrong there. They're right. They're in great position. They're only a half game behind the Red Sox for the second wild card right now. They've won 10 out of 12. They got such a favorable schedule. They got the A's at home, and they got three with the Angels at home. And let me tell you something. The way the Red Sox and the Blue Jays are playing, the way they're playing, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the Bronx next Tuesday night. No, I wouldn't either. They've won 11 trade against the A's, too. So they, they've owned the A's. And, yeah, they got one more with them tonight. And, um, yeah, they, they've been good. And Logan Gilbert – Pitch better. I think he's going tonight, and he's he's been better. I know before he really couldn't locate. He's starting to kind of figure it out. But um, yeah, like the, the, you know Haniger, Seager, and then like Ty France too. He's just under three hundred with eighteen home runs, seventy two RBIs. He's been another nice addition. Um, then he got him from San Diego in the off season or some point last year. So yeah, they, you know I thought after you know they trade away Graveman and kind of you know. They were not had the players weren't happy with the way they kind of well, went about Castillo, the trade. Which, which I think, which I think, even things out with them getting Castillo. Yeah, I think I think it did, and I, you know, um, I it's still because it sounded like Graven wanted to sign an extension. I don't know why they they and didn't the Mariners weren't going to get. Yeah, but the Mariners were. You know, the Mariners are cheap, and they're not going to give him an extension. You know that. Yeah, I, I know, which is ridiculous. And they traded in Houston. It's like okay, I know trade trade Houston was, was, yeah. I know that made no sense, Completely. but at least. At least the Rays bailed him out and traded Castillo to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I again, the Rays. I I know he's up for arbitration, but man, I I didn't get that one either. But yeah, Castillo's been good. Um, it's really helped that back in the bullpen. But like that's been their strength too. Like their bullpen has been, and 
It's a bunch of guys too that are like that are like no, no names, names. Pretty much outside of the guy from the Rays, they're pretty much a bunch of no names. Yeah, I'm like Sean Doolittle's a guy we know, but like he's old, he's up there. He's uh, like 35. Um, and then um, what's um, I can't remember what's his, um, is it Anthony Marriage? Like, and then there's one guy from the Mets DFA or Paul Seawall. Like the Mets DFA'd him, and he's he's 93. That on you know two year right now, like. Like, yeah, they just they, – they kind of founded – kind of just – like the Rays do. Like, they just founded guys Scott, that – Scott no, Service has got to be up for manager of the year. He's oh, got to be yeah. up for manager of the year. He's done a great job with this team. Oh, yeah. He should he – should, him, you know, he should he should win manager of the year. I know Corey's going to be up there, too, with the surprise of the Red Sox. But, oh, yeah, I, I think Service should, too. You know, for this team to be where they are uh, is incredible. Um, I think their win tool is, like, the mid-70s. Like, it, you know, they, they kind of blew by that one, so – yeah, it, it's been a surprise. I'd love to see the Mariners make the playoffs. It, it's it's been since one. It's crazy. It's been twenty years since they made it. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got to head to the National League. We'll quickly talk about the National League. And we'll talk about the National League East. And I think last night the I know it wasn't official. The Braves didn't officially win the NL East last night, but I felt like they won the NL East last night because they beat the Phillies and they beat the Phillies' best pitcher. Uh, and the Braves going to the playoffs. They did lose Acuna, but again, they improved their team at the trade deadline. They went out and got you know. Corey Salar. They went out and got Adam Duvall, which was a great pickup, and they got, went out and got, you know, Eddie Rosario. They improved their team at the trade deadline, and that's the biggest reason why they're probably going to win the NL East for the fourth year in a row. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and at that time, too, it was like, you know, you really couldn't believe the Mets were, you know, the Mets weren't doing much. DeGrom just got hurt, and it's like, you know, the Mets have kind of been up and down all year, and they, they you know, they didn't really have, they didn't believe that the Mets were going to win it. I mean, they didn't get biased, but that's pretty much all they did. That's about it, yeah. They they needed pitch. I know they got Rich Hill, but like they needed more pitching than that. Um, and, and I didn't think Bias was the guy that they needed somebody else in that lineup. But um, yeah, you know, I the Braves want to. You know, the Braves didn't really. You know, didn't believe the Mets were going to win this thing. They took advantage of it. Yeah, you know, I think Adam Duvall still leading the National League in RBIs right now. Or he's like second. Like Adam yes, Duvall, yeah. he, he's not yeah. a guy you think of. And. Um, it's been great, and yeah, they knocked out their best pitcher, you know, Wheeler last night. Now you got Max Fried, who's been really good on the mound tonight to really kind of, um, they're, yeah, they're in a great spot right now. I don't see them giving this thing up up three and a half games right now. NL West uh, race. This is important. People don't realize how. Yes, both these teams are are definitely in the playoffs. This is so important because the win, the loser is going to have to play a team that's that's the hottest. They're going to have to play the hottest team in baseball. The Cardinals have won seventeen in a row. The loser, the, the loser, the, the team that doesn't win this division. Giants lead by two games, and I don't see the Giants giving this up. I know they got they got the they got the Padres to close out, but I think the Padres have mailed it in. I think they beat they win they sweep the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. I think it comes right down to the end because I think these teams don't lose this much. This, don't lose this week because they both teams are too good. They they I mean Gabe Kapler obviously has done a great job with the Giants, but both these teams are too good. They, the the Dodgers got the uh, they got the Padres. I think they win all those games, and they got the Brewers playing for play, pretty much playing for nothing. They know they're going to play probably play the Braves in the first round. So I think the Dodgers, I think it's close to the, to the end, but I can't see the Giants, the way they played this year, giving it up. I got the Giants winning the NL West. Yeah, I'm with you. They're up two games right now. I, I see the Giants being with closing out. They're, I think, 15-2 against the Diamondbacks. They have, you know, two more with them. And, yeah, the Padres, who you have just they, – they pretty much just have quit. And, um, you know, the Dodgers have Scherzer tonight on the mound. He's 10-0 in a Dodgers uniform. So I don't see them losing the Padres tonight. Um, yeah, I, I see that. I don't see the Giants losing at all um, until they clinch that actual National League West scenario. Because yeah, as you, that Cardinals team, 
they're really starting to remind me of that Indian team back 2017 where they won 22 straight in September. They weren't, you know, nobody thought they were going to make the playoffs. They won 22 straight, and they, you know, they ran the table and got the game seven against the Cubs. So, you mean yeah, the 16, I would not the want to You mean the 2016 Oh, yeah, 16. Yeah, yeah, my bad. 2016 team. Um, yeah, you're like, I could see the Cardinals going on a run. Um, you know, they're, they're just – they're playing some good people. Yeah, you don't want to face them in a wild card game. Um, that's another discussion for another day. They 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 need to because it's not fair that Dodgers and the Giants may have to play each other. In the, in it should it, sh- it um, should be the Braves. It should be the Braves playing yeah. that wild card game against the Cardinals, not the Dodgers or Giants. But again, as you said, it's a discussion for another day. Yeah, yeah. But we but we got to move on to some college football. It's a huge week in college football. We got to we got to move on to that. But before we talk about college football, we got a couple promos from Clovercrest Media. College football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. Big, huge week of college football, and why, why wait until Saturday? You know, it all starts on Friday night, and we got a big Big Ten matchup, two undefeated teams in College Park as Iowa faces Maryland. And I think this is going to be a really close competitive game. you got Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. you got Tua's brother in, in Maryland. This is a close competitive game. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the better coach team. i got Iowa beating Maryland and staying undefeated. But, Justin, can Tua's brother play well enough to pull the upset? Yeah, Talia to me, tough one. Iowa's got a great defense right now. Again, their offense is their problem. Now, this game, because they really haven't faced much man in the first few weeks of the year, this game kind of reminds me of last year, their second to last game when they went to Indiana, and he threw three picks. They only managed 11 points. He really struggled. I think it's going to kind of be the same thing as that. I think he may play a little bit better, but I have Iowa win this game 17-13. to 13. Um, I, I think – Iowa gets a couple of interceptions. I think they get some early, po- you know, some points in the um, or the, the defense. Iowa even capitalizes off off of um, or Iowa's offense kind of can do enough off of some turnovers in this game to win. But they survived against Colorado State, which is not a very good team. So it's a little bit of worry, but I think Iowa finds a way to win. Got BYU facing Utah State on Friday night. I think BYU wins this game and wins it by a couple scores. I have BYU up there winning this one 34 to 20. Jared Hall, the BYU quarterback, and battling a rib injury. Um, Baylor Romney came in last week and had a heck of a game, threw for over 300 yards. Um, not a scrambler, more of a big pocket passer, but uh, had a very nice connection with his um, brother, Gunnar Romney, with five catches, 119 yards, a touchdown. Um, Blake Anderson's doing a nice job so far. Utah State brought in a Big help. Logan Bonner from Arkansas State came with them. And their leading tackler and the best player in defense, Justin Rice, both Arkansas State transfers. Um, Utah State could, I think, could put up some points. It's a high-octane offense. They really showed though in Boise last week, even though it was a 9 o'clock kickoff. But I think BYU does enough to win the wagon, the old wagon wheel on Friday night. Huge. Oh, here, here we go. Here we go with uh, Big J, with Jace. Uh, first five road games for BYU this season. They are fake. Only got big wins because they were at home. We'll really? see. Yeah, and they don't. Have, and they don't. And, and they don't. And they don't have. They don't have Zach Wilson anymore. But I think BYU. I mean, they did. They did go out there. 
they, they beat they beat Utah. Who else they beat? They beat Utah. They beat Utah, Arizona State. Arizona nah. State. So they beat two Pac-12 teams. They're not fake. They beat three. Come on now. They beat, three. They, beat, oh, well, three. They, should be the Pac- they should win the Pac-12 South. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, come on come on now, Chase. They're not fake. It's just because you're a Utah fan, you don't need to be bitter about BYU. Come on now. But we got to get to a uh, uh, an SEC matchup, big SEC matchup as Arkansas. Could you remember the last time they've been undefeated? Undefeated Arkansas, number eight, faces undefeated Georgia. But I do feel like this Georgia defense is uh, is going to be too much for K.J. Jefferson, and I feel like that Georgia's going to win this game by three scores. But, Justin, can, JJ, can J- K.J. Jefferson somehow lead a humongous upset in this game? It's going to be very difficult. This Georgia defense is it's insane. I have Georgia win this thing 24-10. Um, he's banged up. I think he's going to go, but he's a bit banged up right now. And, and a couple guys on the offensive line for the Razorbacks are banged up. And I, and we've seen what that Georgia defensive line is. If You know, the job Sam Pittman has done is unbelievable. This team wasn't competitive for two years in the SEC. And what he's been able to do so quickly is astonishing. And, you know, I again, I, I didn't think it was going to be very higher at first, but I've been dead wrong about that. And, and Georgia's defense so far – They've given up one defensive touchdown. They forced nine turnovers. Again, I just I don't see how anybody's going to really score against this team. Um, I think they'll give Alabama fits if they eventually play in the SEC championship game. I have Georgia win this game 24-10. They're still banged up. Georgia, I think they're going to get Darnell Washington back, who played um, at tight end spot pretty well last year. Um, but, again, they are still got some weapons you know, missing right now. We got a Big Ten matchup with Michigan heading to Camp Randall to face Wisconsin. And I'm sorry, I think Michigan is not good. And he's not a good quarterback. Through four interceptions last week, two two at the end of the game. I think Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback. I think Michigan uh, contains Wisconsin's run game. And I got Michigan winning close and pulling the upset. I have Michigan, too. Um, again, the, the only problem is Wisconsin's only allowing one yard per, um, you know, one yard per carry. Michigan cannot throw the football, but oh, okay. it, you know, again, I don't trust any of these two teams. Like, I'm not, yeah, like but, but but the thing is, is Graham Mertz will probably give them. Yeah. He'll probably throw two pick sixes, and that's yeah, that's why I'm picking Michigan. But like Wisconsin, last few years have dominated Michigan up front. I think they could do that. But Wisconsin, yeah, Graham Mertz, his reads are not very good. It's just you know too many costly mistakes. You know, Wisconsin quarterbacks are really good game managers. They don't make they don't turn the ball over. You know, they can make the plays when they have to. You know, they'll make the big throw kind of on third. That, you know, they'll do enough. But, yeah, Graham Mertz, you know, again, I just – it hasn't worked. But, like, Wisconsin, too, they don't have that dynamic running back either. That You know, they don't have the Monty Ball. They don't have the Jonathan Taylor. They don't have that back that they usually do. And their offensive line, I think, right now is a work in progress. Um, I You know, I'll take Caden McNair, I guess, a little bit more right now than Graham Mertz. But, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it does worry me. I think turnovers going to be a huge part of this game, and I think Mertz makes a couple more than um, than McNair. And when Wisconsin's offensive line is not good, you know they're in trouble. You know that's yeah. the signal you know they're in trouble. Moving on to a big, big game uh, in South Bend as number seven Cincinnati faces uh, number nine uh, Notre Dame. And I'm going to go with the team with the better quarterback. I'm going with an upset here. I think Notre Dame has, you know, they were impressive last week beating Wisconsin. I get it, but that's but that scored to indicate how that game uh, game went. I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to go upset. I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. You've been on Cincinnati for two years. I think they get another big win. They beat Indiana. I think they get another huge win and beat Notre Dame. And uh, Desmond Ritter gets a huge win. And I think you know, 
after this win, you may have to give Cincinnati some college football playoff consideration if they end up running the table and going undefeated. Yeah, absolutely. Because especially with everything else right now, college football, because, again, you know, you're going to have to fill – I think Alabama and Georgia are, are two locks right now. Um, and those other two spots, I don't know where you're going to get them from. So, yeah, I think – and I get Cincinnati going on the road. I'm very worried, but I think, for you know, they're coming off a bye. They haven't played well. But the thing was, they were down um, double to Indiana. Most time, and I know Indiana's not as good as they were last year, but what team goes on, you know, on the road, kind of comes back from 10-point deficit like that? You know, you don't, you know, great teams don't do that. Great teams usually lose by about 20 points. So, I think I give some credit there. I know, like, the kick return was a huge part of that. Um, you know, Nordine's defensive coordinator, um, Marcus Freeman was the coordinator last, the coordinator last year at Cincinnati, so he's kind of, you know, he knows Ritter, but Ritter's been very good under pressure. He's been the top quarterback according to, um, pro football focus under pressure this year. I think he does enough, and it's a tough kind of another week for Nordain, a physical team you played last week in Wisconsin, another physical team you're playing this week in um, Cincinnati. Cincinnati has five or six guys that can play at the NFL level, so I'm gonna take the um, I'm gonna take the Bearcats um, and Nordain too. They've already allowed um, 20 sacks so far. You know, since you know, I, I think Cincinnati could get some pressure on Jack Cohn right now, and I think they go on the road and get the win. We got a uh, we got a big SEC matchup, and let, don't forget Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral gave probably Alabama's defense their toughest game last year. I think this I think Ole Miss is going to cover the spread. I think this is going to be a really really close competitive game, and it's going to come down to the end. But I got Alabama staying undefeated, winning by a touchdown. But Justin, can Lane Kiffin come in there and beat and and pull this upset? I think they got a really good shot. Now I would pick Ole Miss if it was in Oxford and two, if they didn't get scared by Florida, because I, I think that. Florida scare, I think, really uh, – I think Laban really laid into his team last week because they were running it up on Southern Miss. They were throwing the ball up by 50 with two minutes left. So, Saban really wanted to put it on last week. So, um, look, this Ole Miss offense, yeah, they, they put up 48 last year. They couldn't stop them. And, you know, and Ole Miss defense is better. It's not the Lance Charge defense that, you know, we saw six, seven years ago, but it's better. And, you know, under DJ Jerkin in year two, um, he brought in Ch- Chance Campbell, who's – been their best defensive player. Um, he was at Maryland when DJ Durkin was there. I don't see them being able to do enough. I think Bama wins the game 41 to 37, but Ole Miss the most explosive offense so far in college football. Uh, Matt Corral right now, I think is the best um, right now, the best uh, quarterback right now in um, college football. And we got a commenter, uh, uh, James, uh, uh, James, uh, James Lill. He says, "Hey guys, can you help me with on my week five picks? Absolutely, we can help you with your week five yeah. picks. Definitely, you know, message me, Justin D'Onofrio, and and, and and Justin Offrey or, or me on Facebook. I'm st- we're on Facebook, Sports Talk with RNJ. We're on Twitter, so DM us, send us send us a message on Facebook. Do anything you can. Absolutely, we are." We yeah. absolutely want to help you with your week five picks. We'd be really helpful too. So yeah, send us a message on Facebook. Give us a DM on Twitter. Uh, you just type in Sports Talk with RNJ. It's right there. So definitely, I, I definitely want to help. Definitely would love to help you with your week five picks. We definitely, we definitely want to cater to our audience. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, we'll go. We'll go to a Pac-12 matchup in Palo Alto as Oregon faces Stanford, and I think Oregon wins this game with 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 Verdell and Anthony uh, with Verdell, and I think Thibodeau has a big game. I think Oregon wins this game, and I think they win it by two scores. I think they're clearly the better team. I think they beat Stanford by two scores. I think Oregon wins this game. I have them win this one 34-24. Oregon's a little banged up right now in in their front seven. So I think Terry McKee could put up some yardage and and be able to uh, get some points. But 
Stanford's run defense right now. They're giving up over five yards of carry. I think Verdell, Travis Dye. Um, I think that um, they're going to – I think the Ducks do enough in this game and running the football. Anthony Brown's been a really nice addition. He fits Joe Moorhead's offense very nicely. So, And, and is, is this um, going to be Thibodeau's first game back? Or was he big with back last week? Yeah. No, he did not play last week. I okay. believe, yeah, he should go to this week. So, yeah, it'll be his first game back. So, if he could play, because they're really banged up, especially a linebacker right now, it'd be a huge help for the Ducks on um, on a Saturday afternoon. We got a Big 12 matchup in uh, Manhattan as the Sooners face the Kansas State Wildcats. And Kansas State lost last week. But I just feel like this game's going to be close because Oklahoma's been so unimpressive this year. Spencer Rattler's been unimpressive. I think this is a, I think this is a close game. I know Oklahoma wins, but this is going to be a close game. And the question is, Justin, what is wrong with Spencer Rattler and this Oklahoma team this year? Well, you know, OU's not explosive right now. And I think, I think part of it, too, yeah, I know we talked a little bit about last week, but the more and more I think about it, too, is – I think the NIL stuff had the, you know, the new net, you know, the NIL stuff has a piece to do with it too, you know, because um, now it's, you know, you're kind of signing agent because they always say too, you know, the toughest thing kind of learning the pro game is how to become a pro and you're kind of a pro not to college level. And it's kind of about me, me, me. I, I kind of need to get, you know, my name and, you know, my money, you know, my name, image and likeness out there and you come back on the field and it's like, okay, now I have to be the team guy again. So I, I think, you know, part of it's been that, uh, you know, he just hasn't, you know, he just hasn't improved at all. He's just making the same mistakes that he did since he was a freshman. But this this Oklahoma team, it really reminds me of that 2014 Florida State team. You know, Jameis Winston underperformed most of that year. And it clumps, or I mean, Florida State won half their games by one score and and then got absolutely blitzed in the second, or I mean, in the college football playoff by Oregon. So the, it, this Oklahoma team's really giving me that kind of, sense of they're going to have to pull out a lot of close games, but Rattler just hasn't really improved. And, um, you know, again, I just, you know, I don't, and, and I know the wide receiver court's pretty, is pretty young too, but it, they have pieces. So, and Kennedy Brooks, for some reason, I know he was out, you know, he opted out last year, but like he hasn't really even gotten going the running game. So, you know, this Oklahoma offense, right? And, and think about this too. Where would this Oklahoma team be right now? If it wasn't for this defense, and who'd be saying that three or four years ago? That three, I know, three crazy, carrying them crazy right to think, crazy to think that right now, crazy. Yeah, yeah but um, in the game, I have um, I, I you know, Chris Keelman, uh, you know, he's two and zero against against Lincoln Riley. I it's been his kryptonite. You know, you got Red River rivalry next week for Oklahoma. I'm gonna say Oklahoma pulls this thing out twenty four to twenty, but Will Howard. He's not a great thrower, but you saw when a Garrett Greeny came in last week for West Virginia late in that game, that that read option kind of, um, you know, kind of was good against, you know, West Virginia's success against the option against Oklahoma. He's good at that. So I think, you know, um, he's going to be able to put up some yards, but I just don't think they have enough offense in this game. But it wouldn't shock me if they lose this game. And Rattler, too, I don't know if you heard, too, the, the student section were chanting Caleb Williams last week. So wow, wow. he's feeling the heat right now. And uh, we will get to before we get to the next thing. We'll get to some comments. Jay said, uh, "Don't forget, Kansas State has won the last two meetings." And I'm not going to forget the game when they beat. Uh, yeah, the last year they beat them at Norman. I'm never going to forget the game when they beat them uh, with, with uh, Kyler Murray. At, no, I wasn't Kyler Murray. That was uh, uh, two years ago when they when they beat them. I don't. I'm not. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts Hurt. here yeah, when yeah, when Jaylen. when they, when, uh, when they beat him two years ago. I'll never forget that one. So yeah, it's the last two meetings, Kansas State has one. won over Oklahoma, and we'll get just get quickly. I'll, I'll, I'll throw out throw out throw out some throw out some spreads 
Um, we got a UCLA, Arizona State. I think, I think you take. I, I think you go. I think you take the points. I think you take. I think you take UCLA. Even even minus minus three. I think you take UCLA in that one. And Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech. I think I same thing. I think you take Pittsburgh minus three. Justin, what do you think about those two games that James uh, uh, put out for us? Um, UCLA right now. I take UCLA with the points. I think they're pretty similar teams. I think in every aspect. Uh, but I like UCLA right now going the road. I think the winner is going to win the Pac-12 South um, right there. And the other one was Pittsburgh. Um, I'd probably go Georgia Tech. I like what I've seen. Pittsburgh's defense, you know, Pat Narduzzi's teams are not bad. The defense isn't great. Um, they can't run the ball. And Georgia Tech can't really stop the run. I mean, yeah, they can't stop the run. But they're very good in the secondary, Georgia Tech. So I think they do enough. Um I know Georgia Tech's coming off a big win at North Carolina. They played Clemson tough. I like what Jeff Collins is doing. I'll, I I think Georgia Tech could pull pull it off and get the win at home. All righty. So we got another comment from James, but we're going to get to this. We're going to talk about this game. We got Baylor, two undefeated teams in the uh, pack tw- in the in the Big Twelve. We got Baylor facing Oklahoma State, and uh, I got Oklahoma State winning this game. And yes, James, to answer your question, I think they cover the spread in this game. I got I got Oklahoma State beating Baylor by a touchdown. Justin, I'm going to ask you the, you the question James posed. Uh, po- uh, James gave us. You think Oklahoma State can cover in this win and cover in this game? Yes, I think they will. Um, Oklahoma State really dominated that game against Kansas State last week. They outgained them by about 200 yards, and Baylor was outgained by Iowa State by 200 yards. I think Oklahoma State's a better team. Gary Bohemian has played really well. You know, you know, he's been a very good game manager, done what he's had to do in this game or, you know, in the games. But this is a tough one. Oklahoma State at home at night, it's always a tough one to win, um, to go out there and win it. I think Oklahoma State. I think Doug win. The, I think I have Oklahoma State win this game, thirty to twenty-one. Um, I think Spencer Sanders. He take care of the football. Um, I, I think they do well and they 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 win this game. We got an SEC matchup. We got Florida heading to Lexington to face Kentucky, and I think this is the, this is going to be Kentucky's reality check. I feel like Emory Jones is going to have a big game. I think Will Levis is going to have a tough day against this Florida defense. I got Florida winning this by three or four scores. But Justin. Can Levis somehow, the Connecticut guy, keep the Wildcats undefeated? It's going to be tough. I have Kentucky going down this one, 31 to um, to 24. I think they score some points in this game, but Kentucky's got nine turnovers, you know, the most in the country right now. Um, you know, Will Levis, his, he's been accurate, inaccurate at times, especially his deep ball passes. Um, you know, that week one game with Monroe, Monroe is horrible, but, you know, they – you know, they were saying their offense looked great, but they really showed Chattanooga. Florida's only has only forced three turnovers so far. You know, Florida's won 16 straight games here, but yeah, Emory Jones right now. Um, you grew up. Uh, oh, oh, okay, James, James. Nice for the record, I grew up sacking Will Levis. Thank yeah, you. yeah, because you played for you. I think you played for, I don't know, you can correct me. I think you played for Clinton or Morgan or I think you might play for. I don't know what high school Jason. It was. It might have been Morgan or Clinton, right? And they and, and Xavier. He, he might have. Oh, or maybe they. Or maybe, or maybe he Morgan. But he yeah, to, I don't know if he, I, he, I don't know if yeah, he played him. In, I, don't, I don't know if he played him in high school, but yeah, he played at Xavier. I don't know where uh, Levis grew up though, because Xavier's a private school. But are we played. Okay. Uh, so he grew up sacking Will Levis. Wow, that's crazy right there. Yeah, nice. That's a that's a cool that's a cool thing sacking a Division one quarterback. You know. Um, yeah, but I, I think Will, Will Levis may get hit a couple times this game. Um, I think Emory Jones is really playing well right now. Uh, you know, Dane Mullen's great with quarterbacks, and I, I see you know Florida winning 17 straight games here in Lexington. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. I think it'll be an easy win for Florida. But we got an ACC matchup and a team that's not played well. Clemson, they're two and two, but they are still a big favorite against BC, who's undefeated. And I think that continues this week. I think BC's not had a not had a hard schedule. I think Clemson bounces back and win, wins this game by two scores. But here's the big thing: I'm not going to ask if BC could stay undefeated, but can they cover the spread? I think you know. Um, I think they will. Again, I just don't. This Clemson offensive line, it's just not very good. You know, Will Shipley is out. Their top running back, they already lost um, L, um, Lynn J. Nixon, their, who's their backup running back. He transferred out. Uh, DJ Ulungale, again, he's completing like 56% of his passes. Um, they're like lead, they're last in the ACC in total offense. They're last in the, yard, you know, yard for play. Again, they're just horrible. And then on the defensive end now, Tyler Davis and Brian Breesey are both out. Those are two of the best defense tackles in the country. And BC can run the football. And their offensive line is a veteran line. You know, I know BC's on the defense side, BC's line's not great. But the way we'll, uh, Clemson Clemson's off in the line is, I I don't think it really matters right now. Um, I can't see Clemson going 0-2 in the ACC. I can't see it. So I have Clemson winning 23-20. But t- 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 um, Clemson needed 24 on answer points last year um, to, to beat Boston Now, Phil, Phil Jakovic, you know, they're starting, BC starting quarterbacks out right now. I think Clemson finds a way to win this game, but I'm not very confident right now. Um, they're horrible. They, they're, their offense is horrible. And that, that, that was another one that's very um, stubborn about things. And, you know, they, they got you know, to figure some things out right now. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, their national championship hopes are over, but they—they they, they, the only way they salvage it is to win the ACC again and, and develop and, uh, a DJ for next year. Develop him for next year. So that—that's that, what—that's all they really have left to do now that now, now that they have two losses. But we'll wrap up talking about Auburn uh, heading to Death Valley to face LSU. And for me, Bo Nix on the road. Enough said. LSU wins close. Justin, can Bo Nix finally win a big road game? No, I have I have LSU 31-23. And he may not even play. Or he's going to play. He may not start in this game. DJ Finley came off the bench, you know, went down a 90-yard drive. They won a spectacular on a fourth and nine somehow. Finley got it, and then they had a pick six. They gave up 224 yards, I believe, on the ground at Georgia State. And they've – Auburn already fired the wide receivers coach after four games. They, again, it just it's the same old Auburn. I don't care who you put as the head coach. It's the same old team. Um, LSU can't run the ball though. Max Johnson is all six of his starts has thrown for at least three touchdowns. Keyshawn about it. I think he's going to have a huge day. He's already at 24 catches a year, 303 over 300 yards and tied in the country right now with eight touchdowns. And, you know, I don't trust Auburn at all right now. I don't really trust LSU either, but I think LSU at home at death Valley, I'll take them on, um, I'll take them Friday. I mean Saturday night in Death Valley. I'll take the Tigers. And Jay said it would be a revenge game for Finley. Yes, yes, it will. You know he was their third string after preseason practice. Um, he was a guy who came into LSU compared to Marcus Russell. He's six six two fifty. Like um, you know he's highly touted it, but he played well against South Carolina. The rest of you know um, wasn't great after that. So. I think they. I think he got it started for the drama. He played well. He gave that team a light, you know, a sense of kind of life last week. So um, I, I'm going to take Auburn, and I see James's comment just now about Rice and Southern Miss. I don't really have a good feel in this game. That game, um, I, I, 
kind of watch a little bit of both teams. They're not very good, both of them. Uh, I, I'd stay away personally, but, you know, if, if you have to pick it, I'd probably go Rice. But, like, I'm not very confident, though. Yeah, we'll see what happens between those two teams. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RMJ. For Jace Garcia, our producer, who did a great job. For Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risher. We'll be back next week talking about the baseball postseason, week five of the NFL season, and week six of the college football season. Have a great weekend, everyone.